What's up? We want to give thanks to all of our amazing sponsors. Piper Diamonds, your hometown jeweler. Bling, bling at PiperDiamondCo.com. TheCardenasLawGroup.com, your concierge level service, which is for all your personal injury needs. And Compton Broomhead Dental at MunsterDental.com. This is top level luxury dental care. And Finley Volvo Cars of Las Vegas. Safety first since 1927. All right, Kelly Cardenas podcast. Let's go. Welcome to the Kelly Cardenas Podcast, where attitude is everything. Uh, on today's show, I'm so excited to be able to have uh, not only the co-founder of Ultimate Face Cosmetics, of the um, PLH, which is a peace, love, and happiness uh, charity, and the uh, goodwill ambassador for John Paul Mitchell Systems, but more than the blah, blah, blah that I just told you, this is probably one of the most impactful human beings in my entire life and in my family, and this guy is who he says he is, and he lives it through and through. And that's the reason why I wanted to have on the, him on the podcast. So please, please, please welcome Mr. Gary Spellman, or as most people call him, Mayhem, or as I call him, the badass in my life. Mr. Gary, thank you so much for being on the show, buddy. Uh, Kelly, man, I looked over my shoulder to see who you were introducing right there. I'm like, who's coming? Yeah, that was brilliant. Uh, I think one of the coolest things I loved to my title is your friend, uh, when we became friends, I was just telling the story about you and I, because I was talking to young Gordon Logan, who's now the CEO of Sportcliffe. And he was, you know, he's got two kids now and he took over for his dad. And we were thinking about how it started, because back in the day when I was a Paul Mitchell distributor, was my wife, Gordon, little Gordon, all calling around on four salon floors. And everyone said, Sportcliffe will never work. 1,500 stores later, 1.5 billion in revenue. I'd say they worked. And you and I started, remember that at the show? I said, Gordon, because I was his distributor. I said, I got this guy who will light your crowd up. And at that time, you know, Robert was Robert, and you were just coming on the scene. And he's like, you know how Gordon is. He's very straight-laced. The CAC, he's like a <laughs> State Farm employee. I'm wearing khakis, <laughs> you know. But, you know, he's an MIT graduate, so he's not an idiot. Uh, and when you and I get up there and I introduced you, that room like all their top above, they call them coaches, at the sport clips, all their trainers, you lit them on fire. You gave them their purpose back, and uh, that's that's how you and I really started this friendship because we bonded that day. Because no one gave us any thought to like those two. Because I had the long hair, you had the dress. To, like either they're either surfers, drug dealers, or they're just going to sell us some snake oil. And we didn't sell them a thing, man. It was awesome. Well, I, the thing that has stuck out to me uh, over the years, Gary, and I haven't really got a chance to be able to tell you this, but. <clears throat> For years, um, you would come to me with different, you know, hey, like even after that event, you came to me and said, hey, look, we're doing this thing with Robbie Knievel. You need to come down. You need to come see it on the strip because I was in Vegas at the time. I didn't make the time, but you continued your friendship. Like you continued to extend your hand to me over and over again, even when, I mean, in that time I was busy just being busy, which was so silly. And you continued on with a true extended hand, not ever asking anything from me, but you were always just wanting to provide something. You were wanting to give. Where does that, where does that stem from? 
that comes from my mom. You know, she's a mother of seven. Uh, we grew up very, 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 very modestly. Um, and the running joke is uh, you knew you were poor when the poor kids asked you if you needed lunch money, you know. But we never knew we were poor, you know. We were seven kids, and, you know, there's only a couple years between us. I got twin brothers less than a year younger than me. I mean, it's it's insane. And my mom's ability to give, even when we had nothing to give, it, it mattered the most to me. It's, uh, I watched her, you know, sacrifice her childhood, her first child at 21. You know, she never had her childhood. All she was was an Uber mom to, to this very day. And I think, you know, when you look around, it, it feels good to give. It really does. It's, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but I don't like opening presents when I get them in front of people because you feel guilty. But I'll give you a truckload of love and support and presents, and I like watching the joy and face. Uh, it, I don't know, Kelly, it's known me long. Uh, when people are happy, I'm happy. And when people are truly happy from their soul, then you know that you've connected. You know that they're in a safe place. It's uh, sort of like my little, my son's dog Sunday. It's a miniature dachshund who's sitting right across this, looking at me. And they say in the dachshund book, if they're laying on their back and their feet up, they feel safe and loved. And that, because that's their most vulnerable spot is the belly. And so when they do this, she's telling me, man, I got you. Thanks for this life, G. <laughs> and that's, and that's how I feel every time I, I get up, I want to get the best father award. I want to get the best husband award. I want that best friend award. And it's for no other reason because it satisfies my soul. It's, uh, I mean, it's, there's no magic there. It's just discipline being a good person. That's all it is. Well, you live that. And that's the thing that, I mean, a lot of people talk about, but, but you live it. I did hear a story that I've never heard about you, about a salvage dive company and a Rolex. Oh, yeah. And a Rolex. <laughs> And oh, yeah. so tell us this story because I heard this story because I've been, I mean, although you and I have been friends for over 20 years, I wanted to dig down deep. And I told you earlier, I said, I went to the FBI and I tried to get a file on Gary. And you said, my friend in the FBI would ask, why are people snooping around? But <laughs> tell us about this dive, uh, salvage dive company and the Rolex. Well, it was, um, it's like everything else. It was a very calculated risk. We started a company called Bottom Time Diving something my friend Kevin and I were very passionate about. This was a kid, he was the all-age student in the very expensive school, like uh, this Catholic all-boys school that I got to go to because we were the poor kids. And you get there and you realize there's a difference. And Kevin and I clicked. He was uh, never took the book home, all-A's, Boston College, all-A's, never a book. So we took our scuba lessons, and we loved it, and we got into it. And then we realized in, uh, in the Upper Bay, Narragansett Bay, right outside of Newport, right in Rhode Island, tiny little state, that's where – you know, that's when I moved out. That's where I lived. And that's where he and I started. We go do something in salvage work. Well, you know, bottom time diving during the uh, Jazz Fest, Newport Jazz Fest, one of the greatest jazz concerts. I actually got to meet Ella Fitzgerald because of this, this little tiny company we had. So they'd be on like all these yachts would be off the pier. So Fort Adams is where they had it. So all these very expensive yachts would anchor there, throw their parties. The crowd would be on the lawn and then you'd see the amphitheater and it'd be all these musicians, Quincy Jones, uh, you know, Ray Charles played there. I mean, it is the premier jazz fest. And so that year we got a, We had a bottom time diving second year in business. We got a call, uh, bottom time, bottom time. We've got you a salvage gig. Can you come over to Frank's toy? And it was honest to God and please to all my Italian brothers out there. This, this guy is like a character of an Italian guy, right from Jersey, had a big, nice boat. 
And I got up there and he was like, had the belly and his belly button looked like it could have held a cup of water. It was so deep, you know, one of those big old belly buttons. And he goes, you know, I dropped my Rolex right down here. Can you find it? And the reason we called it bottom time, it was $150 for us in the boat and the gear to show up. And then we charged you by the minute on the bottom time, how much time we were down there. And he said, it's right down there. And it's a solid gold Rolex. And it got you. I drop in, probably took me three minutes, Kelly, because I'm going down. It's only about 35 feet. I start going down, and you see this thing just going, ooh, because it's solid gold Rolex, and it's in the, the dark, and it's a, it's a bright sunny day, and you just see it. I'm like, I hope that big old fish doesn't eat it. thinks it's like a lure. So I pick it up three minutes into the dive. I look at it, and, you know, me, my, me and my boy were, you know, kind of cash-strapped, and we're like, we don't find this, but we pawned this. Guess what? We can overhaul the truck. We get some new scuba gear. I mean, it would have gone eight Gs inside the pawn shop. Not that I know these things, but I'm just guessing. Uh, and I came straight up, and uh, I said, all right, here's your watch. And he looked at me right in the eye and goes, either you're the nicest kid I've ever met or the stupidest kid I ever met. Um, and I believe, you know, that was the summer I met John Paul. So if you look at how karma works, and I, I, don't, I don't know how karma really works. I know that you get what you give, and that's karma that I understand. It, but, you know, there's a big circle in this world. And sometimes you get hit really hard, even when you're doing good things. But when you always do good things, good things will happen. And that was the summer I met John Paul. So as I give back the $8,000 Rolex, he gives me my hun. It was one thing. It was two twenty-five. If I'm if I'm remembering correctly, is what I got for an $8,000 Rolex. And it, imagine if I stole it. I would that would have been stealing. It wasn't my watch. The the bad feeling I would have had that whole trip. Because I'm like you. I mean, I get the slip to me. I see the opportunity. I can I can zigzag with the best of them. But my upbringing and how I was raised will never let me go home too much. Don't get me wrong. There's a reason why they call me mayhem. And you can ask the Germans. And they tried to drink with me in Sturgis. And they found out hard why mayhem is mayhem. But, you know, this is, uh, this. you get what you give. And I firmly believe that. Well, you, you talk about this. Again, you talk about it. And I'm going to go to this. The whole time, uh, the whole time that we get to spend time together is you talk about it, but you are it. And I remember you coming to me and saying, you need to come to PLH, which those of you listening is peace, love and happiness. For those of you watching that shirt right there represents not a logo. It's a movement and it's a mentality. And I didn't understand this. You kept saying you need to come to PLH. You need to come to PLH. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, that's going to be fun. You know? But I was, I was, there was a couple of things I was scared of. Number one, I didn't know what it was. Number two was I didn't ride motorcycles. And you helped me to be able to get over it. And I spoke on a video this morning. I said there was two things that you told me about, two principles that, and rules when I came to PLH. And you said, no business, have fun. Talk to me about this and about PLH. Well, you know, like when you and I talked and when John Paul and I started this, this all started out of the need. We had a, um, an officer get fired for saving a woman's life. Uh, I'm not going to get political. This is not the time or place for that. But, you know, just like hairdressers and teachers and lawyers, there are bad police and good police. The police is our first line of defense from total anarchy. Um, so what we had, it was someone get fired and John Paul and I said, we can't ever let this happen again. So we decided right then and there that we would start the Peace, Love, Happiness charity motorcycle ride, and we would support our first responders, and we would take care of the neglected and abused kids at a place called the Austin Children's Shelter. Uh, both situations, 
gross, gross situations. I've, I've seen the worst of humanity at both uh, charities that we support. Uh, so when we started that, that was our rule because it, it, I did it for John Paul on his birthday. I said, what do you give a guy who has everything? And I said, a little bit more. So let's have a little more fun. And, you know, John Paul is always about the gift. He's never about wanting. I mean, he always says, you know, how can I help you today? He's never once said, hey, I need something. Um, and, you know, and if he asks you for something, it's, it's a rarity. But I love being able to do that for him. So his birthday, um, you know, my other partner at Ultimate Faces, his wife, Eloise. Eloise jumped right in. We called up all our, our well-known friends, Robbie Keeble, Peter Fonda, we even had Robin Leach. Remember, lifestyle to the rich and famous. He came in and he was on the back of Robbie's motorcycle. Robbie laid down the burn and this feet go flying up. So you got this little chunky English guy going, holy shit, his feet are going up. And so when we started, it was like, no work. Because you and I both know, um, if you lack a certain amount of class, you're going, always going to go think you can get close to a celebrity and get a favor. Always ask JP for a favor or some money. So we squashed it really big, and you know my head of security, Big Meat, um, and that's how it works. If someone comes to us and says, hey, that guy's pitching an idea. Like we had one year, a guy was all up in Peter Fonda's business, and Peter comes there because it's a safe spot. This is where friends hang out, and it's not about what you do. It's about who you are, and it's a very tight circle, and the group will vote you off the island if you're one of those spastic people that's always in there trying to hustle somebody because this is totally safe, and that's why it's sold out for life. Uh, we got people that, you know, so big meat will come up and say, hey, can I show you the side pipes on my new bike? And they go, who the hell are you? But his arms are this big. And by the time they're done, their feet are doing this off the ground as he's walking them out. And we've only had two people we've had to do that for. Uh, and the rule is, if Kelly, if you say I want to bring Pops, Pops is my brother. You know, Pops and I share a cell in Chino, so that he can always come. So, but you're responsible for that person. You know, we trust the people we trust. And if someone says, uh, you know, can I bring this guy? We say, of course you can, but you know the rules. No work, have fun. The, the, the couple of times when people complain, you know, it's a, it's, a, um, it's a charity event. And so, you know, we make a vest for the Hall of Fame, and, you know, it, but it's, all, it's not a high-end thing. It's like a bunch of dudes who we've met, a bunch of cool ladies, and it's, we don't complain about a thing. We're just happy we're there. And then when you go to that party out on that, you know, that soundstage, that, that set that my friend owns, I mean, it's like Gunsmoke. It's a Wild West set. They film movies out there. And the next thing you know, you're thrown back in time and there's 20 hot rod cars and good people and great music. And I mean, Big Kenny from Big and Rich will jump up. I mean, you were there. Keanu Reeves showed up and, and he's a friend, man. And these are people that we never broadcast because that's not what it's about. So we had the whole cast of Game of Thrones show up. And everyone's like, sick ass the Game of Thrones. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> They're using the porta potty just like you, bro. <laughs> what do you want me to tell you? These are just friends. And there is no level of star. No one's better than anyone else. And it, that's why we do it that way. Because if you can't come and just be our friend, then we don't want you. Uh, the coolest thing John Paul and I have always done, everything's a handshake. We don't have one contract. Even when we have the hotel in Deadwood, we're like, if we can't trust this, that we don't want to be your partner. And of course the lawyers get into it because John Paul's, you know, you know, when he asked me to borrow money, I had him sign an IOU because you know I'm not gonna carry it. I'm just kidding. JP never asked me. He's got a file of his own. Uh, but the joke is, you know, everybody wants a piece of his file, and it's just not fair to him because he's constantly giving. And you know, when you come to PLH, I want we want to see you the person. We want you to join because I think you and I were talking about, you know, people say, What do you do? I'm a salesman. 
And for the longest time, you couldn't admit that because it was like, oh, use car salesman, use stereo salesman. No, 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 no. Don't get it twisted. The most incredible people in the world are salespeople. I like using John Paul myself, even you, Kelly. It's, it's a service heart. In order to be an effective salesperson, it's not what you're saying, it's how you listen. I'm listening to how I can help you, how you can join PLH. Remember, I only asked you questions. I'm like, you want to have some fun? First question, Kelly, you want to come down to Austin and have some fun? And you're a very um, big student. I've noticed that you study. And when you get out of your comfort zone and not really knowing what I'm asking, you want to be there because I'm infectious. I'm like that happy little Jack Russell. Here's my ball. I want to play. You want to play? Come on, come on, come on, come on. And so I'm telling you all about the fun you're going to have with these cool people. And this side of Kelly's like, oh, man. But this side's going, let me just research this. I don't know. Why do you ride a motorcycle, you know? And this is what a, a truly gifted salesperson you cannot create. No matter how many sales trainings you put people through, if they're not a server's heart who's listening to, I want you to join. That's all I wanted you to do is join us. Come be part of this magic. That's all John Paul ever said when they created Paul Mitchell. It wasn't about the size of your salon, the money you're going to spend. It was about everyone's welcome as long as you're a good person. So everything I've done in my life, and if you want to see the end result, if you live John Paul, here it is. Look at how happy I am, dude. I'm talking with one of my best friends about what makes me happy. This makes me happy. My ability to share if you become one of our evangelical followers. If you're, nobody wants a job, they join a cause. And peace, love, happiness is like you said, it's a movement. So when you come down there, we're going to trust you the first time. You demonstrate bad behavior, there is no second time. That's one thing that's most important that what we're lacking in this world right now is accountability. Everyone's playing victim and it's not their fault. Your life is your life. You screw it up, it's you. That's it. So if you're a good person, then even your screw-ups are good. They're not life-changing. You're like, I'm going to do better at that. So, I mean, that's, you know, I am a salesman because I was born this way. I don't need to take a course to help Kelly get to point A to point B. How many times have you and I talked on the phone about what your next move is? And it's just two friends talking about what makes my friend Kelly happy. It's never about you going to spend this or do that. And next thing you know, the plan comes together. You're like, do, do, like this podcast, that book right next to you. I mean, I was with you step for step on every one of these projects, and look how they've turned out. I mean, when you married Brooklyn, how perfect is Brooklyn for you? Your kids are gorgeous. I mean, you put in all the happiness and the good stuff, good stuff comes out. So I hope that answered your question. <laughs> Absolutely. And so what I want to dig into is the thing that uh, that you're uh, that you keep alluding to is the the relationship, the long term, and. You've always been a long-term guy as long as I've known you. So you're not looking at the short, like, I remember you telling me that you, you were going to write a book and you were like, I'm going to write a book. And I was like, wow, Gary. Okay. And I was thinking that you were going to give me this whole thing. And then you were saying, you were like, do you want to hear what's in it? And I said, you're damn right. I want to hear what's in it. And you said, do the right thing. The end. That was it. And then you said, that's, that's it. That's going to be a bestseller. So relationships has been something that you have like, I mean, honestly, like, and there's no way to fake a true relationship, right? And it, there's yeah. all these things on Instagram right now. There's all these things on Facebook that will teach you how to be a good friend. Like buy my course, I'll teach you how to be a good friend. You have like, you have honed the, the art of relationship, but you do it from a true sense. So let's go back to the watch part. You give the watch back, right? Which let's let's be let's be fair in this most of the people listening 95 percent of the people listening right now are like i would have taken the cold rolex um you know or they would have 
told people that they were going to do the right thing, but they wouldn't have done the right thing. Um, then you meet John Paul relationship. Let's start in on that. And because what I love about you, what up Dakota in the background? I see you, man. I love you, man. So, so the thing that I love about you is whether it be John Paul or anyone else in a relationship, you're constant, you're, you're never taking in a relationship. You're always giving. So let's go back to that summer. You meet John Paul that summer. How do you meet him? What's the, I mean, what's the story there? <laughs> At the time, uh, he was um, he was in Newport. I was the doorman. As a matter of fact, we're going back in a couple of weeks, and we're going to do a little video where we met. It's 33 years this year we met at this door. Uh, I'm 22. I, I lived in the gym. I was working on the ocean. I was selling some shampoo. I had three jobs, man. I was hustling, the, you know, because I knew where I wanted to be, and you can't get there on a certain dollar amount. You just can't. And you can't help your mom get out of her situation if you're not there. So the old saying is you can't help the needy if you're one of them. And I always had this mentality that, you know, I want more. And, and so I'm working the door and I recognize JP, probably only seven years old, six years old, whatever it was. Uh, so he was, to me, I knew who he was because I was in the industry. Uh, he was with someone who was in the ZZ Top Legs video. Remember ZZ Top Legs? Yeah. He was with that. And I recognized her immediately. And I said, that's the guy from Paul Mitchell. It's not the hairdresser guy. It's the, the other guy. Uh, it's not Paul Mitchell. Though. And so as he's coming close and the door at that time, it's called the candy store and it wrapped right down Bannister's Wharf in Newport. It was the it place. That summer I uh, worked with Schwarzenegger. He had his family, the Shrivers had a wedding there. He was on the movie True Lies, which, you know, in the beginning of our cosmetic company, we named our whole collection about that because I was on set with him at, you know, Marble House in Newport. He'd go to the gym. I'd open it early for him, which is wild. Little things like that along the way. So I let John Paul cut the line. I said, Mr. DeJure, your table's ready. And at first he gives me the, I don't know, table because he's so honest you know and i said you got a table don't worry we took care of it. let's go and he goes in and this guy over here you know he calls me john cougar mellencamp like, i remember like he goes yo cougar mellencamp why does he get to cut the line and mind you kelly back then i was 22 and i was big i lived in the gym i'm a personal trainer i could hold my own and he grabbed me and i didn't budge and i grabbed him and he wanted to hit and we rolled to the ground because i'm not supposed to strike a, a patron so i didn't i was doing the contain and keep him down and then his friend, who's about a 200-pound dude, jumps over the line on my back and slams me to the ground. I'm on the ground. He's on the ground. He goes to kick me, pulls back the punch, and I don't feel the punch in the back of the head because I'm still holding this guy. John Paul grabs him, pulls him off of me, puts him on the ground and goes, let the man do his job, something like that. I don't know the exact words because JP doesn't swear. So you know what I'm saying? That night was when we became friends. That was 33 years ago. Never asked for anything. So – you know, here I am, not even in the Paul Mitchell world, and I'm friends with this guy. And he's not John Paul of the world yet, but he's well on his way to being that reaching his destiny. You know, he's going to be the the steward of the planet. You know, the shepherd of all is how I look at that dude. And we stayed friends. And then out of nowhere, I am um, I'm there, and the gentleman who runs the Paul Mitchell distributor in upstate New York, I'm at a Sebastian, another hair care company, because I was a multi line house, and I had Sebastian. He says, I got I got a job for you. I want you to come run my Paul Mitchell division, I want you to do this. And the man's name is Jim DeBerry. He taught me so much that uh, he was, he's still a big part of my life. He took a chance on me, just like the guy who let me run that door took a chance on me, just like John Paul took a chance on me. So when we get down to how long-term relationships are, 
you owe it. The only way you can say thank you to someone who's given you that kind of friendship is to be a great friend and never let them down. Never take advantage of your friendship because, you know, when the day's done, you're not going to be counting your dollars. You're going to be like, yeah, I was blessed. I had a good friend in Kelly Cardenas. I had a great friend in Kelly's dad, Pops. I know at any given time, this is what kills me about people who can't call you back because they're so important. Luke Jacob Ellis. If I call Luke, I get a 10-minute later phone call. Hey, Gary, what's going on? Now, you want to talk a solid man who's helped my career? The guy is the most logical, fair person I've ever met. And that's that's Luke. It's uh, And people, you know, people sometimes need to be stroked and massaged. Luke doesn't do that. He, he'll say, yeah, help me understand. And then you explain what's going on. And then he'll help you through it. And even Luke, when I was a young guy as a distributor, he took a chance on me. So there's so many people that I owe a great friendship to because they've been a great friend to me. And that's why it's always going to be long-term. I don't need short-term friends. I, I know I sit next to a very important person as one of my best friends, and I can't tell you the number of people who have offered me money for his personal information. People will come at me to get to him, and it's and I get it. That's one of the things I, I have to do. As a distributor, my wife and I still laugh about that because we get letters every day. I need $250,000, Mr. John Paul Mitchell DeJoria, and then there's nothing to it. And it's like the best one, and, and you know, I, I don't I don't want to embarrass John Paul because this isn't us making fun of someone, but the letter came across with like a photo of a family with well-to-do in front of a $2 million house. They said, you're a billionaire. I'm a millionaire. I got to pay this off. I need 1.3. That's all they said. <laughs> They're like, that was it. And, you know, some people see that opportunity, whether it's a Keanu Reeves or a Kelly Cardenas or a John Paul or, or whoever they are trying to get close to. Them. That's their brass ring. And they always think I'm going to be LeBron James' best friend. If I just get close enough, I'll be in the circle. Well, that's not how the circle works. The true circle is about how much give you have, how much trust you have. And that's why I can count on my hand the number of friends. You and I have 20-year friendship right now. Did you know that? We're 20 years into it, that big stud. You want to talk, the proof is in the pudding, and I bet you didn't even know that. But I thought back to when was the first time we really connected and it was at Sport Clips. And, that, and this is how the world works. If I wasn't talking to young Gordon to say congratulations on being the CEO of Sport Clips now, I wouldn't start doing the math back and how long I've known you because I knew you were doing this. I'm like, damn, well, over 20 years, me and Kelly. You know, because I've been here for 24 in Texas. Then you were second year I was here. So that's 22 years. Wow. Yeah, how old? <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think I was three. Uh, I think yeah, I, was, I, I was three three years old when uh, when that happened. That's a special permit for child labor laws. <laughs> <laughs> well, I and let's go, let's go back to this too. When you were talking about the salesman part, because I think a lot of times people have this slimy salesman. They have the car salesman. They have don't try and sell me anything. You have a whole industry that I believe. I'm, I'm I believe we have the professional beauty industry who has it wrong. In yeah. saying always, I'm not a salesman, I'm not a salesman, I'm not a salesman. You are the first person to ever talk about it in such a positive light. Yeah. Help, help me with this. Well, it's, it's great because like you, I grew up in this industry. And, you know, and the, that was how, and this is how bad distributors, because we never had a direct model from manufacturer to salon. So bad salesmen were our bad distributors where they were just trying to grind out, oh, i got to sell 50 of these two for 25s. And no matter what, they were going to go in and say, oh, no, no, you need this. And, you know, as a, as, as a salesperson, that's wrong. Because if, if I go in and ask Kelly, you know, like, hey, Kelly, what's going on in your world? What, what can I help you with? First question, what can I help you with? 
and you tell me that I'm overstocked in product, the typical salesman is going to try and sell you 40 of these, 40, you know, the quota thing. They're all on a quota thing. Um, and so that's what they made up this thing saying, oh, don't worry, you're not a salesman. This will sell itself. How about when they tell hairdressers, oh, don't worry, here's your balloon and your plant. Your left, what is it, left brain's creative side, right brain's analytical, right? They say, oh, you're left brain. You don't have to worry about business. We'll take care of you. No, 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 time out. Ask 50 cents. 50 cent didn't watch his money. Now he's worth 50 cent. You know what I'm saying? You got two sides of your brain. The first thing I realized is people were hoodwinking the salon owners into thinking all they have to do is be creative. You don't have to sell. Well, they don't have to sell. They have to educate because education behind the chair empowers your client. Now, a lot of times we get caught in ego native, and that's a, a statement I love because we think everyone understands what slide cutting off the occipital bone means. And also, they're like, I got an occipital bone? What is that? <laughs> you're scaring your client. Instead, it's like the questions. Remember, if you're a good salesperson, you, lead, you never, ever do anything but ask questions. So what do you do for a living? Well, I work at a bank. What else do you do? I, I run marathons, and I really like to go salsa dancing. Perfect. So what you're telling me is I got to give you one haircut that you can do three ways so you're comfortable in every aspect of your life. Yeah. So you're not selling the thing. What you just did is build confidence. You ask for permission to help them have a better day with their hair. That's the sales part right there because we're not in like the one haircut business. We're in the resale business, as John Paul says. And that's why the music industry is hurting right now because if you're like, let's say, a Leonard Skinner fan, you're not going back to buy that first album. You're waiting for something new and there's no tours. So that's why everyone's hurting because they didn't plan for a stop action of work. Where in the beauty business, you have people who want to look good because if you've done your job right, they want that education on what I need. I mean, shampoo works. The products work. But if you have, if you're a stylist who's shy and meek behind the chair, your, your client doesn't have confidence. You know, the number one reason why a client leaves is because you suggested nothing new. You didn't make you feel confident. I mean, so you got to know your fashion. I love when I get around people who dig on fashion. You hear a stylist behind the chair talking fashion. Like, I, and it stands out because I got to do Dada. Dadaism was this whole movement where, you know, back in, you know, the early days, you had to express your discontent with politics through your art, whether it was paintings or whatnot. So Orbe, uh, John Sahag, uh, Frederick Bakai, all the big names put on this show in uh, NYC, and I got to go. Because, you know, I, I was a great salesman. <laughs> you know, I got her in my way there. And I would never forget, Orbey had this woman in a, like, cousin it hairpiece right down to her feet. And she was about six feet tall. She, I can't remember the name of the model. She was one of the famous ones that was running with Naomi Campbell and Turlington. So, oh, look, there's Christy Turlington now. Call me. Yeah, you've been up story. So the whole, the whole deal was she's head to toe in this wig. And he cuts the bangs and frames the face. She's gorgeous. And everyone's like that. Let's just say it's Evangelista. He starts cutting. There's nothing under this wig. So he goes to the back. Well, she's facing him, spins around and cuts right up to the top of the cheeks. All of a sudden, the room's like, oh, because oh. you know there's nothing under there. And when he spins it around and cuts it out and where it should be all naked lady parts, he's got the hair flowing perfect and comfortable. And he was expressing his discontent with how manufacturers were performing and distributors. And when I talked to him, I was blown away. I was just blown away. And that's what gave birth to Orbe, the product line. And, you know, we have to be careful because, you know, we're under this illusion in certain groups that if you're not a $4 million salon, you don't matter. Well, you know, I'll go back to Gordon Logan. We were at a, a meeting of high-end salons. 
when people were taking shots at, you know, who's this guy? They didn't know he flew his own plane there. <laughs> you know, they didn't know that he had 1,500 salons, not just one. And they didn't know that the $4 million salon behind me that was bragging about making 70K in profit was about to get a lesson in math. Because he went over, this is our best salon, this is our worst salon. And I'm not sure on the numbers, so I don't want to quote, but it was somewhere around four and a half to 450000 and showed a 20% profit. It smoked a $4 million business. So this is the, the, the long term of being a great salesperson, like you asked, and why I think it's hurt our business. Because, you know, we didn't have great salespeople in the early days of the beauty distribution. I mean, the, you want to know why I excelled? Because I was the only one asking, what could I do to help? I remember shoveling driveways in Albany, New York, so they could get to the clients to get in there. It wasn't, I wasn't selling them a thing. I didn't write an order that day. I just made sure they didn't go out of business with a slip and fall. You know, this is what people do who we care about. Uh, and that was my customers. And, you know, just like you, what would you do for your customers? Anything. Because they trusted me with their money. And I trust that I'm going to get earn that money. And I don't want a handout. Um, you know, that's that's. I love that part about this business. And every time, like these messages from the road I'm doing for the uh, Goodwill Ambassador, I'm calling up these salons that are in the middle of the worst time in their life. And I'm asking them a simple question. Like, tell me about your business. Tell me why you chose Paul Mitchell. Tell me what it's meant to have, you know, during this pandemic, JP and Angus doubled down and put all this money and didn't lay one person off. Instead, they canceled the gathering, which is our favorite party of the year, took every nickel, almost a $5 million bill, and put it out in the field in free products so you could have business and have cash flow without going out of business. No one did that. So I asked the question, what's it mean to have your, your, your Paul Mitchell team member, whether it's a, a regional, a color support person, a business developer person, and people are crying, Kelly. They're like, I didn't have, never had this kind of support before, even from family. And, you know, people who have had their business shut down still say, when I come back, I will never leave this brand because of what John Paul and Angus did during this time. Um, so it's, that's this is where we're at now. Uh, you know, today's consumer, today's customer is fed up with the bullshit. And I don't mean to swear on your podcast, my bad. Um, yeah. But it's the bottom line. I love when non-hairdressers are telling hairdressers what they need. You know, it's like, I, I'm not going to go politicking, but, you know, Candace Owen is this very super intelligent, conservative black woman, and she's on the Hill. Four white people are telling her what it's like to be black in America. Come on. <laughs> I'm dying here. And so she goes, she's very articulate, but, you know, Harvard-type brain power. And she says, so let me get this straight. You guys are telling me I'm wrong on how I feel about being black in America. I've been black in America my whole life. You're a bunch of white people, you know, and that's what happens with bad salespeople with irreputable distribution. They don't represent what John Paul Mitchell system stands for. They represent a quick sale because they got all these other brands. Now, if you look at what's going truly on in this, um, you know, John Paul and Paul, they priced this product so everyone could be successful with it. So why do I have to feel guilty around certain salons that I'm not $40 for a shampoo? If you're charging someone $40 or $60 for a shampoo, you should be embarrassed. Wash, rinse, repeat. It goes down the drain. I'm like, you know, what's in there that makes it an $80 shampoo, Kelly? I don't want to put you on the spot, but you and I have talked about this, right? It, there's nothing out there that's better than John Paul Mitchell systems because it's about how we support you. So if you're not confident, our education builds your confidence. Once you have your confidence, you can run a business. You can employ people. If you're not good in business, they can actually get your book right there. They can call Kelly. Like today, the coolest thing happened. I'm doing an interview, 
This woman goes on for about 20 minutes on how great your wife Brooklyn is. She's up against it, down and out. She used to have another brand. She has this great girl named Michelle Shaw as her Paul Mitchell support person. And she said, I stalked all the educators. I follow Brooklyn. I like what she stands for. I sent her a message. She sends and she goes, I didn't expect it. It's Brooklyn Gardena. You know, I didn't expect anything. Set up a phone call. We talked for 40 minutes. That's why she became a Paul Mitchell support. Because your wife has the service heart too. She didn't sell her a thing. She just said, join this join the cause, man. We can make this industry great for everyone if we live this way. That's as simple as it is. So PLH is the same way. You know how your heart feels. You remember when Pops rode in the sidecar? It was what, 28 degrees that year? Oh, good Pop, lord. Like this. Did we have fun? I mean, Pops and I, you were like, go easy on them. That went easy, right? Pops, he had a blast. Nashville, how much fun do we have with Cameron and Music City Indie? Uh, what a party that was. Tyler Reese, the Travis Tritt's daughter. I mean, that was an explosion. Now, you've already had the, I think it was the manager of the the Titans on? Yeah, Jamie Jamie Robinson and uh, John yeah, Robinson, yeah. So, you know what that says about you, Kelly? Think about it. They didn't know you from Adam. Why did they take a chance with you? Because you're part of this this family. There's a trust factor. Um, we started PLH Apparel. It's like uh, JP and I's own Newman's own. We sold out of everything in a month. We did a shirt with Steven Tyler, sold out in four days, put three grand in his, his coffers for Jamie's fund. We're working with them now. We started a new company with them because this company you can trust. These people, you, me, the John Pauls, the Risers. I mean, think about Charles and Sharon Riser. Some of the coolest people you know. John and Jared, all those school owners. Um, you're thinking my brother-in-law, Mark Palermo, the quiet killer, Uncle Marky, you know, the skipper. I mean, no one knows it, but he's one of the most accomplished sailors on the planet. You know, and these are the people that once you get to know them, you're like, oh, I don't care who, what you sell. I like what you stand for. Think about that. It's not what you sell. It's what you stand for. So what I stand for sells whatever I'm behind. And I'll never endorse a product that's garbage, that doesn't represent my belief system. I mean, that's why we were a single-line distributor. I was a multi-line distributor. I saw how different manufacturers operated. Uh, that's not cool with me. So Lori and I made sure we never were anything but Paul Mitchell. And when we saw the need, we created Ultimate Face. I mean, my wife's so damn smart. You, you, that's how you know I'm the best salesman. I talk that lady into marrying this clown right here. <laughs> She comes up with the education because she's done a lot with Mitchell and a lot of big names that Mitchell came through her, including Wynn Claybaugh, best friends with Wynn. Um, she created a lip color line that's color matched to Paul Mitchell color because it increases the per client average by $20. So if you do 10 hair colors a day, you made an extra $200 times five. It's a grand, four grand a month. That's 48 grand a year. How simple. Just by trust. And that's, I hope that answered your question, but I could go on for days. Look, I'm getting amped up thinking about, I can, I can see people. I can feel their answers. I can feel the hug. I can actually feel when we hug right now. Well, I, I tell you like, and, and going back, uh, I want to, I want to go back to it. And we're, again, relationship wise, when you're working and you're, uh, you know, you're talking about the, uh, the sales part, a thing that you've really, really impressed on me over the years. And again, I, I get to thank you today and I haven't told you this, but you've helped me. Was that? I'm going to cry. I'm no, going yeah, to try. I'm going to try. But I, I tell you, like you constantly let me know that this sales thing, number one was okay, but number two, 
it wasn't about what you're thinking about. It's a lot bigger. And so all of your principles transcend. And you're one of the only people that I've seen. I mean, you like you look at a John Paul, John Paul transcended, right? He transcended. He wasn't like, obviously when people see him, they're like, oh wow, that's Paul Mitchell. And I'm like, no, that's not Paul Mitchell. His name is John Paul DeJoria and they were partners and all this stuff. But John Paul didn't stop with hair care. He did Patron. He did Rocket Mobile. He did uh, a village that you guys are working on right now in Austin where he's taking homeless people, building tiny houses and building a community where they actually work, pay rent and give back. How were you able to level up? Because most people, they become good in their wheelhouse and that that's all they ever see. And you kept telling me over and especially through COVID. And you're, I want to thank you because you're the reason for this podcast. Like, you pushed me, you pushed me in it and said, it's not just about what you see, Kelly, right now. It's a lot larger. Use the same principles and realize that the world's a lot larger. First of all, how did you start to understand that? And then how do you continue to, because you use these principles with PLH. You, I mean, you constantly, like, I remember you, uh, us being around PLH and you were like, oh, Robbie, Robbie, Robbie. And I was like, who's Robbie? I don't know this Robbie guy. And it was Kid Rock. And, yeah. but, but you're using the same principles and, you know, you're, you're talking about like, uh, I remember you, cause you're, you're tight with uh, Robert Rodriguez too. And, you know, you're talking about all these things and you're utilizing the exact same principles, whether it be selling shampoo, like you were talking about, or helping a movie deal being a producer on a documentary that <laughs> wins film festivals and creating villages and, and all these things. How is that possible? It's um, because you have a person like John Paul in your life. Um, you know, and I'll go back to going to that great school. I got a great education, but when you go into a school of, uh, and I don't want to say privilege because a lot of my best friends still came from there, but these kids came from affluence. They had money. I'm not talking like big billionaire money, but I'm talking big houses, pools, you know, Mercedes, and they had money. And when you don't have that, all of a sudden you look and you say, do I fit? And you have to go, yeah, you fit. Just because I don't have cash doesn't mean I don't belong. And you start to, you, you excel at certain things. I excelled at baseball. You know, uh, and I was surprised that when you did your deep dive on me that you didn't realize I'm the only person that, who was ever impeached as a class president at Bishop Conley High School. This is... I, Seriously. I was, Gary, no lie. I was just about to ask you about being student body president at your school. So I, I do have that information on you too, but go ahead. Well, the impeachment. Uh, so do you want me to go impeachment or how it is, how I embody this every day? Let's, let's go both. Do the embody it. And then we're going to the impeachment because you brought it up. Yeah, <laughs> that was a, that's a great story. It's um, right now it's easy for me because I have a son. And I know his eyes see whatever I do. So I want to be the man I, my, I want my son to grow up to be. So if I model that behavior, think about it, Kelly. You got a little boy. If you model, think about the best life for Maddox. How do you see him when he's 25, 45, grandpa age? If you act that way, he'll be that way. So, and you know, John Paul, it's on uh, one of the, the uh, piece inside one of the documentaries we did. John Paul asked me that question. I said, well, John Paul, what I want to be is the man... I will be the man I want my son to grow up to be. Wow. That's why I do this. Um, and I know it's, 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 it's discipline, Kelly. 
it's real easy to be a, a lackadaisical parent, you know, because you can blame anything. I got to work. Oh, I got to cook. I got stuff to do. Now go. I'm present just like you're present, just like JP's present. The most important thing is that next generation to give the love and the nourishment of, of soul so they grow up to be big people. Not to be walked on. There's a difference. There's a lot of people out there that get trampled over because they, they weren't told that you can say no. You don't have to agree to everything so everyone likes you. You have to stand your ground and be principled. Um, and I think that's what the difference is every day. I, I think about those trophies. Best, best boss, best charity, best friend, best husband, best father. And in my mind, I see these little these things. And back in the day when I, I had Armstrong McCall as a customer for our makeup, I used to give away the Gary's instead of the Oscar. It was a little cool trophy with this, the gold sales guy with a sales bag. And they're like, what's the premise behind the dairy? I said, well, just don't get it wrong. You can throw that against the wall, yell at it, bang it, kick it, but it'll show up on Tuesday to help you make more money. And they were like, holy crap, I want to win a Gary. Because as a person, and you know, you own salons, when that salesperson comes in, if they have no value, you're like, hey, get out of here, because they're intruding on your workspace. But if that person has value, they don't just walk in, they make an appointment. Um, you know, they, they value your time like you value their time because you know something good is going to come to this, even if it's just a conversation on how to move the door so it's a, a better, whatever it is. And so that's, I, I think about everything I do. Don't get me wrong. I'm a wild man. I get crazy. But even when I'm crazy, I understand that there's a set of blue eyes back home that expects his father to come home, to come home proper, to represent the family proper, to represent you and I as friends. Can you, I think about that. Think about it. I've got you. I've got a John Paul. I've got a Robert. I've got Angus Mitchell. Imagine if I go out there and, oh, look, I'm wearing my PLA shirt. I'm trash and I'm loud and I'm not. I just embarrassed all my friends, mm. people who trust me, because that's where it's at. And people never think past their own little zone, their effect they have on the outside circle, which is the people who trust you. And all of a sudden, you're like, well, why isn't anyone calling me? Well, we can't trust you. You know, if you want to have great friends, you have to be a great friend. It's as simple as it is. And that's where it all comes back to this conversation we're having right now. So go to the impeachment. We all want to know. Inquiring minds want to know. Mayhem's well, coming out. This is it. And I'm going to tell you now, I'm, right now I've been approached. I'm dabbling and running for mayor of Austin, by the way. I'm telling you right now because I'm same reason why I ran for office in my junior class year. Because think about it, all politicians are just like the high school yearbook you had to deal with when you were in high school. Politicians are privileged. They don't understand the rule. They tell you policy and procedure and tell you how you need to think. So at one point, it was an all-boys Catholic school. Then we went co-ed my sophomore year. And there was always those same people, the debate team, the all-A's. And I'm not slamming kids for great grades, but guess what? The teacher's pet was always the kid with the best grades. Simple. I was not a good student. I wasn't disciplined enough. But finally, I said, enough's enough. I said, I'm running for you know, class president. One teacher agreed, the rest giggled. I was like, oh, yeah? Out of 225 people and 15 people didn't vote for me. That told you it was time for a change. Because I went up and I thanked them. And then all these people jumped up. And like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to change this. The dance will be this. We're going to uh, fundraise this. And I got up there and they went crazy because I was one of them. I was the kid that, you know, was in detention. I was the kid that didn't get all these. I was the kid that, where's your book, Gary? My dog ate it. You know, that guy. I did not like school. And when I got up, they went, wow. And as they come down, I said, thank you very much. The only one on stage to thank them for applause. They went, well, you thank the woman. And I said, you know, I don't know what we can do together, but if you tell me how to make this better, we'll make it better together. That's all I said. Please go crazy. 
And I remember, and I won't say her name, let's call her Phyllis Schumacher. She went on to Harvard. She's not doing what I'm doing right now, I can tell you that. But they went after me right after that. We had a fundraiser. We went to Horse Neck Beach in Westport, Massachusetts. This is where it gets dicey. Uh, we had two buses because we had 250 people. Some kids drove, the others were on the bus, and that was the fundraiser. You gave this money to the junior class, and this was at the end of sophomore when I was coming in. So we had all this money. It was going to go towards the new hoodies, the new Bishop Conley hoodies. We wanted to have better quality hoodies because everyone loves a hoodie. And uh, nobody made it home on the buses because, you know, certain people brought kegs of beer into the sand dunes and they got out of control. And now, uh, um, like I said, these were kids of, of means. And one of them was an admiral's daughter that didn't do so well, got very sick. And next thing you know, I said, it was my fault. I, I was, I made sure I was on that bus and I rode home with about 15 other kids. We like, know who they're going to blame, right? We're all like, oh, whispers. we're in big trouble now. And then that started. And then they had 7.30 meetings. And like I said, family of seven. My dad couldn't make a special trip to school and then make another trip back. That just wasn't in the cards for me to do the meetings, you know, twice a month. So they went after for that. They went after, well, you know, the president should have better grades. And next thing you know, I'm impeached. <laughs> I'm gone. They, they railed me out real quick. Um, I kind of felt like Trump does when Pelosi goes after him all the time. I, was like, I didn't even get in office. I was there for one semester, second semester. They uh, politely asked me if you think it would be best for the student body if you stepped down. I said, hell no. I owe it to them who voted for me. And I said, well, we're not going to give you the option. We're going to politely ask you to step down. And, and that's when I realized that, you know, life isn't fair. I know I did a good job. I didn't get given a chance, but I know what the people wanted. I just asked. Them. And I was ready to deliver on that. And, you know, it's the same thing with you. It's, I, I was still the only guy in the history of Bishop County High School in Fall River, Massachusetts, getting impeached. I, mean, I should have a plaque for that, you know. And no one remembers the kid who goes valedictorian. They all know that that knucklehead with the fat lips got impeached. You know? <laughs> I've yeah. never, I've never heard of a high school president. If you're out there and you're listening and you have, please, please leave us a comment because we want to know, but I believe this is the only time in, in high school history, in the history of man to get impeached from being the president. So a thing that, that is a common thread that I keep hearing, and I'm sure that the people that are listening are hearing, uh, uh, Gary is like, you don't back down from limited beliefs. You're not held from limited beliefs. Um, you were working the door. Like, let me, let me, you were working the door and had to do some security things for a guy. Mm-hmm. Happened to have a ponytail. Yeah. 33 years later, there's not one person on this earth that has the ear of the guy who would everyone in the world would like to have the ear of. This is a guy who most people want to run for president. Most people want him to do these things. They call him up. You just said that somebody called him and said, yo, can you pay off this 1.3 million for me? This is, so how did you, trans, and, and you came from, I mean, it's not like you came from privilege. How were you able to deal with the limited beliefs? And because you, you helped me with it. Like I was struggling. I was struggling with limited beliefs. And you kept saying, Kelly, you, you kept telling me when I was coming to PLH, I remember you were almost like you were, you were uh, uh, who was the custom motto for Tyson? Yeah. Right? Or, or, the, I- or the, guy, uh, the guy on Rocky, uh, Mickey. Yeah. And Mickey. I remember 
Stinking rock. Yeah, stinking rock. And right before I was coming to PLH, what you kept telling me is like, Kelly, like, you ain't Kelly the hairdresser. You ain't Kelly the speaker. You ain't Kelly nothing. Come, hang out. Kelly's enough. And stop limiting your beliefs. Talk to me about limited beliefs and how they either help you to ascend or they keep you capped. I, I really, you know, people get comfortable and it's good. People like security. Um, but your limited beliefs is it's an insecurity. You, you don't think you belong. So you think you have to, you know, we've been around people who hustle their PR all the time. I know, you know, let's just go. I know Sylvester Stallone. I know Customato. I know Mike Tyson. They, and this is what I've done. Someone who introduces you and says, Hey, my name is Gary Spellman. I own a company. You've never heard me introduce myself. Though. Uh, it's always, Hey, I'm Gary. Nice to meet you. It's not important what I do. It's who I am. Uh, the limited beliefs keep you from sitting at the big table. And that's, that was going to, you know, the name of the book was Memoirs of a Shampoo Salesman, Sitting at the Big Table. Because, you know, when you think of life in the big table, I know I belong at the big table. People like John Paul have validated that. And, you know, when people say, you know, they were killed to have his ears because they don't like him as a person. They like him for what they can get from him. Mm. I love this man. Uh, he, he and I are friends at a whole different level. And I mean that spiritually because... Um, we, I mean, his, we watched the Game of Thrones last episode on his bed with a fat bottle of wine that only he could provide. And the cutest thing is because we were into it because they came to the party. And so nobody was home, just me and him. Eloise was, I think, in California. J.A. was off running his business. And so we watched it. He had the great new TV, but he's smart enough to know. He says, all right, we got the wine, we got our glasses, and I've got HBO up in my room in case this doesn't work. Because it's a very complex television, and both he and I are like, what button do you push? So as soon as it goes, and the HBO comes up, the TV goes, and scoops up the wine, goes, get your glass. We go running into the room, and now we're like two girls in a dorm room watching Game of Thrones. And we don't talk work. I, I make it, unless John Paul asks me directly about business, we don't talk business. Um, he knows what I do. He, I know what he does. Uh, we'll bounce ideas off each other. I love. I love when he asks me, "How would you sell against me?" Mm-hmm. I love that's what I could ever get from him. How would you sell against me? Or what would you do? Because I can see both sides of the coin, and that's how you get better. I I know my weaknesses. I'm very self-aware, uh, and I think that's where your limited possibilities uh, come in because you're not aware of your weaknesses. Now, yesterday, you know the PLH Instagram because I'm not. I don't have Facebook. I have the PLH Instagram. Well, my little man is turned into one competitive cyclist by accident. So yesterday's quote, I think, and, I, and it just came to me while we were riding. We did 28 miles yesterday, 2,000 feet of climbing. Those little 13-year-old legs did it. And I remember what I said was something, you'll never know your limits till you push past them. Because, the, you know, that, that it came to me because, and that's not something, that's just what I believe. I mean, you don't, people are running minute miles. Remember the first time you swam across the pool underwater, now you can go up and back and halfway again. At first, you couldn't go all the way to the wall. And it's getting over that fear because what I do know is when you think you're done, Kelly, and this is what you and I talked about, you're only at 40%. The brain kicks in at 40 as a protective mechanism. Oh, I'm going to, no, 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 no. I can ride a bike for 24 hours. No one thought that was possible. But once you get past the initial like six hours, you're like, this is going to be a long day. The brain takes over, your heart takes over, your brain starts thinking of other things when you're going through the woods at midnight with a light, uh, you know, shapeshifters. And the cool thing is when you push yourself past those limits physically, because everyone gets 
forgotten that if you're an athlete and you neglect that as you get older, a part of your soul dies. If you're an artist and you neglect that as you get older, a part of your soul dies. So now there's this gaping thing where you're like, I gotta make all this money. And a great book I just read was The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. It's a brilliant book. And it's about a high powered attorney who finds, you know, solace in yoga and goes to the bat. And it, and it is kind of make believe, but it's also based on a true story. So when you think about these things, our friendship, the reason you said you always extended my hand, because I knew I, I wanted you to see and feel what we felt because you had a piece of you that was missing and it was your limitations because you thought if I was the best motivational speaker, the best salon owner, people were going to come to me. It's not how that works. But you're the best version of Kelly. I mean, the guy outside of that, the one that hugs me and goes, meets a big man, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, and that first time you rode and you didn't know how to turn the motorcycle on, you just got your license and we're like, no, it's right here. No one made fun of you, did they? No. They're like, no, no, right. But, you know, in other circles, you know, like if you go to the wrong part of LA and you go surfing on the wrong side of the beach, a bunch of gangsters jump in, who's our wave? You don't own the ocean. So that's the same mentality, you know what I'm saying? Everyone's welcome here. And so when you start putting limitations on yourself, you have to stop because it always starts with you. It's how you talk to yourself. Uh, and I know where people will get there, but I can't believe I did this. I'm never coming out of this. You got to go like Fred Flintstone's feet in the dirt. You're like, you stop the car. Let's think about this. And JP always says it, it. In the end, everything will be all right. And in the end, if it's not, it's not the end. I mean, there's still tomorrow. There's still time to make up for what you think you've screwed up. And I'm not worried about that because I've got a great support. I mean, I haven't been married 24 years. You want to talk people in Vegas lost money, like 24 years he's been married and it's, it's a wicked ride. It's the some person you can count on all the time. I way over married. I mean, this woman is smart for days smart. I mean, it hurts me. I, I miss the days when I was dating the, the not so smart girls and they say, Hey, what are you thinking about? I'd say corn. They go, you're so deep. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this, this one, it's like, I'm a prize fighter. I'm always like this. And it's like, she keeps me on my toes. And then the other thing is my son and my friends like you, because I knew when your dad was sick, how much it was hurting you. But we didn't talk about that. We never once talked about how much pain you were in. We talked about the joy that we had with your dad. And then it changed how you felt about his illness. And I just talked to him, what, two, three days ago, and he's on fire, you know. And he's always going to be my roommate from Chino. And for those of you who are listening, Pops is one of the nicest, coolest guys I've ever met. And how I came out to him, like, he wasn't sure who I was going to be. And he's with Kelly at the PLA town. And I came in loud, too, because I wanted to shock him a little. I said, hey, where's this guy named Pops? And I'm screaming. I said, he's holding my heroin. Where the hell is this guy? The whole room looks. Pops plays right into him. He goes, oh, oh, it's in the sidecar. No one says a word. He plays along that he was my guy from Chino. And please, if you're battling addiction, I'm not making fun of that. But this is, I, I wish you strength. But this is how Pops is. And we were like this. Because you know why? We share a love of our sons. And I asked him about how did you make such a good boy? And that's, you know, and you and I are friends, but you're still his son. We have that commonality where we both love our sons with all of our heart. And we want to see happiness. We, we always want to see you go past it. And I looked at my son the other day, just Sunday, yesterday. He's blown by where I was at 13. It's, it's frightening. It's like he's not even in the same scope I was in. You know, I, he, can, he can do just about anything because that's what we feed it. Nothing but encouragement and discipline. And people forget discipline is as much as encouragement. 
because there's a right way and a wrong way. There is no gray. The people who dance in the gray, I have no use for. Right or wrong, no gray. You know, you know, and it's just how it has to be. You drink, you drive, you get what you get. End of story. It's not, oh, it wasn't my fault. It's your fault. And I think right now in this world that everyone's playing the victim. What happened to accountability? What happened to strong people going, I got this. This is on me. And I know the weight your shoulders shoulder. I mean, let's think about that. And you never complain. I look at Robert Cromies right now, who is so active out there. And his salon's been closed forever. And all he can do is think about how he can help the rest of the industry. Now, that's a cool cat. I look at Angus Mitchell. I look at JP. To carry that payroll, and I won't give numbers, but it's a big company. They didn't have to carry that payroll, but they knew they had to carry that payroll so the salons felt safe and he took care of the people who were taking care of him for his employees. That, this, that's the kind of stuff you do when nobody's looking. And I think about all those people who do great things when no one's looking. And if you're doing it for the spotlight, and I forgot who told me this, it could have been someone like Lord Bader's at one of those, oh, it was uh, uh, Frederick Pakai. We're at a big meeting. It was L'Oreal. He was the ambassador for L'Oreal color cutting. He was doing Sydney Crawford's hair. It was balayage, I think, was the big technique. The chunk. And he was drinking a glass of wine. And that's what he said. He goes, you got to do it because it's the right thing to do. That's as simple as it is. And, you know, you and I get that. And if you don't get it, you can learn it. But if you're not a good person, then you're not a good person. There's nothing we can do to change it. You have to change it. And you have to be self-aware that you're not a good person. You have to say, I, I fib a lot. I take shortcuts a lot. You know, just not giving back the extra dollar the girl at Starbucks gave you makes you a bad person. I'm sorry. It's like, oh, I should only have a dollar fifty. You gave me two fifty. Sorry. Then you give it back. I know people go, sucker. That's the wrong attitude. That's just the wrong attitude. You know, and that's where it comes down to. And that's why I'm proud to say I'm a salesperson because I have a service heart. Um, I was born that way. You can't train anyone to be good people. Like John Paul. I remember someone was comparing him, and I won't say who, but Orion Hand, if you, you know Orion, who runs off digital, he's smart as hell. We went through pathways together. And the certain lady compared a guy who was a miserable, mean person, went broke, moved into his friend's basement. His friend died of cancer. He started this big old self-help program that you know someone brought to Paul Mitchell, and we were part of it. And she compared that guy to JP, and I said, you're way wrong. Raise my hand. And, you know, everyone goes, oh. <laughs> Mayhem's gonna die. I said that John Paul was born a good man, grew up a good man, and is still a good man. He didn't have to go to, through the cycle of evil to get props. He never had to do that because he's always been a good man with a good heart. Um, I, I just I disagree with a lot of philosophies that say, you know, what you did over here doesn't matter over here. No, you can't make all your crooked straight just by a couple of good deeds. You have to embody that right here so everything's a good deed. And that's, that's where I live. And, you know, I, I never want you to be embarrassed of our friendship. I never want my son to be embarrassed of his dad. I never want John Paul to think I'm there for other reason to be his friend. And that's where we're at. I never asked the man for a thing except friendship. Uh, he knows if he calls me today, hey, we're coming home. That motorcycle is ready to go. Why? Because I know he's busy too. I don't want to wait for him. Three, we're gone. <laughs> you know, selfishly, I know his schedule. And I'm like, if I roll that bike out, it's shiny and rumbling. He can't say no. But if it's behind a car, we got to move a car, and the phone's ringing, and the dog, he's like, no, i got to take this car. Uh-uh. i got the bike out, we're rolling. And that's that's where it comes down to being a good friend. He does the same thing for me. Like, he knows i got to get home to see my mom. So he's he goes, all right, we're going to go to Newport together. We're going to go you know, do a little piece in front of that candy store where we met, and you're going to go see your mom. He wants me to go see my mom, and I want to go see my mom. 
And with the way travel is now, just so happens my friend has a jet and he's putting me on it and we're going together. And that's, you know, that's who we are together. And, uh, you know, there's nothing I know, there's nothing he wouldn't do for me and I wouldn't do for him, but it has nothing to do with cash. Not a thing. <laughs> that's it. Well, I, I, I see it and I've seen it in my own life because during the, that first, uh, actually second PLH, um, I was so blown away by being able to go to PLH in the first place. Seven years, you were asked me and I finally got my license. I went to PLH and I was blown away. I mean, guys, those of you who listen in, it sucks for you because you're going to hear about it and it's sold out for life. Um, you have to have an invitation to be able to go. Um, it is one of the most transformational and life-changing things that you'll ever experience because you get to experience people on, on just a, a level that you never get. I mean, it's very, very seldom that you do, but that happens. And I like, I, I remember calling you afterwards and be like, Gary, can I come next year? Can I come? To, and you were like, dude, calm down. Everything's good. You're good. And then I called you and I called you a couple days or a couple weeks before, and um, I didn't think that I was going to lose it, but I lost it. And I told you I'm not coming this year. And you were like, okay, you know, no big deal. What, you know, how, how are you doing? And I said, I, I'm not going to be able to come because my dad got diagnosed. He calls it the big C. Uh, he doesn't like people to talk about it because he doesn't like, you know, pity on him, whatever it is. But he got, Pops got diagnosed with, with cancer. And... I, I hadn't, I, I really hadn't sank in and I, you were one of the first people that I talked to and I said, you know, my pop's got, uh, you know, diagnosed with cancer. I can't justify going to PLH doing this thing when I should be spending time with my dad. You hung up the call, you, or we talked, you hung up literally probably two minutes later, you called me and said, we want pops to come. John Paul and I want him as our guest, you will pay nothing for him. We are going to take care of it. And you two are going to spend time together. I can't thank you enough for that experience. Plus, there was another caveat that John Paul had a um, you know, daily body restore, got my dad connected with it, helped him to be able to you know, go into remission, all these things. But my dad wasn't only a guest, a guest at PLH. And a lot of people do lip service, like, oh, he's going to be our guest. And then they show up and they kind of get lost in the mix, whatever it was. I tell people, when my dad came, when Pops came, he was in your sidecar. It's you, JP, and my dad leading the ride. JP is weaving back through everyone, waving to everyone. And I remember you being like, John Paul, it's okay. You don't have to be waving to everyone and, you know, making sure they're good. But my dad was at the front and you had him in those front and you had him as the, almost the guest of honor that whole entire time. I just want you to know that if you're listening, Gary's not talking about, you know, he's just not talking about this stuff. This is things that he does. And he's, he would never tell that story about pops. He's just going to say that he loves pops and he's, you know, he, he, he was his cellmate and stuff like that, but he's not going to tell you how my dad got there. And the reason why he got there is because Gary's heart is so damn big. And I want to thank you, man. I want to thank you for that. And now my dad, seriously, he, he's working in Allentown, Pennsylvania. He's like, just tell me when PLH is. I'm telling my work that I ain't working during that time. Oh, yeah. That, don't forget, as much as that meant to you, it meant to us. Because 
that's the cool thing about John Paul and myself is when you see that joy, because we knew your dad was in a bad spot, but most of all, we knew how much you were hurting. And your dad, you know, John Paul had one of, because a lot of people don't understand, I think it's just Paul Mitchell, but John Paul is John Paul in the world. So he has the other companies that, that, you know, and I don't want to speak out of turn because I'm privileged to certain things he tells me, but the only way he does a company is it can make the world a better place. He's not looking to get riches. He's looking to make the world a better place. And, you know, just so happens sometimes they hit big and boom, it's, it's a big thing. But that was uh, when he was looking at cancer and how we can make it more palatable for people with cancer to live a happier and normal life. And the stuff works. And it's not a cure for cancer, but it, it gets you over the hump so you can go to remission. The next thing you know, something gets happening. Now Pops is, you know, he's out in Allentown killing it. And, you know, to see your joy, I mean, Kelly, because you're important to us. I know that. Um, John Paul knows that. And, you know, once you become a part of this family, you're important to us. And to see you light up, and all of a sudden you forget about the big C for two days. I mean, Pops was the cutest because it was so damn cold. He's wearing that helmet with the, the face, and, and he's laughing so hard it's foggy. And every time I'm like, kind of. And then JP would take off, and he goes, catch him. So Pops wants to catch JP, and, and my sidecar can go. But, you know, you saw it. The, the, my favorite picture from that year is JP right here, and he's waving to everyone. And right here is Pops waving to everybody. <laughs> Side by side going down the highway. And if I didn't have the blue lights right here protecting us, it, you know, it could have been different. Uh, but, you know, that's that's what this is about. Um, you know, I, I go back to, you know, being blessed to have a friend like you. And, and so many people I've met in the Paul Mitchell family, like Luke. I, I mean, I could go on for days about how important that man is to me and how his leadership at the company is quiet and brilliant. I could talk about Angus, one of my best friends. And, you know, when Angus and I hug, it's for real. And, you know, we grew up in this industry together. And to watch him be so happy right now with his son, it just warms my heart. And that's the coolest thing about everyone we're talking about. We're happier when our friends are happy. There's never a jealous moment. And if you're out there and you're listening, and you can overcome this, but if you get jealous over someone's possessions, it's, it's not cool. It's like, it's not cool to get over uh, someone's, jealous over their net worth it's just not who, what it's about it's not that it's uh jealousy is just insecurity and uh when you start having this, this like right now watching this i can see you in that room and i'm so proud because i remember the conversation that got us to here and i'm looking at a podcast like you're joe rogan with dreadlocks i'm like Ooh, sorry kelly did it you put it down you actually overcame that little bit of fear of uncertainty and you were like yeah and then the big guy talked to you on more than one occasion when you were riding your bike or you're on the beach and you knew things were going to be okay because people believed in you and trust. And all of a sudden, if they can see it, then why can't I? And that's the hardest things for people to see is why can't you see how much I believe in you? Why can't you believe in yourself as much as I believe in you? And that's the coolest thing. When that goes, don't. It's not about your net worth at all, man. It's, uh, I, I believe your IQ is not as important as your imagination. I really do. You know, you can tell me you're a you know, Mensa scholar with a 400 IQ. That means squat to me because I know a lot of those cats who were baristas at Starbucks and they can't operate. Like, <laughs> like, dude, read the book. Oh, I wrote the book. I just don't have practical application of knowledge. You know, uh, I believe imagination is what gets you through the day. I really truly believe your imagination is the blueprint of your soul. That's what I really believe because, you know, my, your soul is in here talking to you and it's not the heart. The heart makes every decision, not the head. 
the head is the brain and that keeps you like, and that's like your little computer. But if you really want to tap into where your strength is, it's right here. And you think about it. my heart is the one that's going to board off of like when your dad got cancer. It wasn't his brain that helped him. It was his heart and what he believed and who he loved. And it ain't time for me to go yet. I haven't seen my son get his first Emmy for best podcast. I know that's what he's thinking. You know what I mean? Or whatever reward you get for having a great podcast. I know John Paul's heart. Uh, he's not going to, and I believe it. And now I'm here too. I'll be 130 when he's 150. And I believe that because we're not done yet. And the coolest thing is this little knucklehead with fat lips from a trailer in Massachusetts is on the right arm of one of the most powerful men in the world who's the most gentle soul on the planet, who actually has the ability to mobilize good people to do the right thing, like mobile ropes and fishes. Uh, he's not throwing cash around. He's inviting you to join the cause. And that's more important than any dollar. Don't get me wrong. You need the seed money to build the houses. But when you get an army of evangelical followers who believe in the cause of peace, love, happiness, think about that. Purpose before profit. If you're not living your purpose, it's like if you have that real cool car of yours, Kelly, that sits in the garage, it's not realizing its purpose. And it's, the purpose of it is not transportation. It's to make you feel good and, and bring a fantasy to life that you always wanted. Uh, I remember when we talked with Southwest about their purpose, and they're all cheap flights, peanuts, whatever they were saying. Their purpose is freedom. Because of their structure of uh, how they charge, you're free to go see your grandmother in Oklahoma. You're free to go see your girlfriend in Austin. You're free to use your points any way you want. You're free to not go on a flight and not be penalized. So they're in the freedom business, not in air travel. That's their purpose. And think about what your purpose in your podcast is. It isn't to interview guys like me. It's to bring people into your world so they can feel what we feel. Like right now, you and I can feel what's happening. Anyone who knows us is digging on this. When they listen to this, and you know the people from PLH, like Joe Peters, when I do my uh, Zoom meetings for the schools, Joe Peters is on there. And he's a road captain, you know, scientist, brainiac that worked at Dell, who runs my road captain for PLH since day one. You know, Jeff Swain, who has airplanes that deliver like a, he's like a mom and pop FedEx. Crazy Jeff Swain's on there holding his dog, Kudrow. No, it's calm. No, it's calm. And so you get all these crazy hairdressers going, who's Joe Peters? What salon does he have? And then he'll ask questions. Like Gary, and then I'll call on him, and it's the most brilliant thing when you see non-hairdressers from PLH merging with hairdressers, because that's who John Paul is. John Paul is John Paul of the world. Everyone asks, you know, what do you think, where, where did Paul Mitchell go? Well, John Paul outgrew Paul Mitchell. He never left it, but he became so big and in such demand because of what he stands for, not what he sells, that the world, like, you know, North Korea had him come over and help, the CIA helped, has him come over and talk presidents, leaders of state, I mean, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates. It's not because of his net worth, it's for who he is. And I've watched that man do that over and over again, and he doesn't say but seven words in the room is his. And my favorite thing is when we're sitting across from him, arrogance, and they don't give him what the, the respect he deserves. doesn't matter who he is on the planet. There's always the blue suit who's got an MBA from war and who thinks they're smarter than him. And by the end of the day, they're all typing on their phones, calculator. He gets the math before they're done. They go, no, this won't work. I need another three point. And when you didn't, then he goes into business mode. He goes, you call me when that's that. And they can't even keep up on their phone doing the math, jump on, bang, bang, bang. And it's like, it's like the OK Corral. I stand up and I go, he's wicked smart. And they're all like, you just got schooled. But we would never do that because it's bad. But you know what I'm thinking? I'm looking at the blue suits going, you know, you lace the village. 
then it's and that's what the you know the, the the worst combination I think the number one killer in the world is ignorance. It's not cancer. It's ignorance. Think about it. ignorance makes you get behind the wheel of a car when you're drunk. Ignorance makes you smack someone you shouldn't. Ignorance makes you do stupid things. Then you couple that with arrogance, and now you get a, a witch's brew of stupidity. And that's what boy. Um, that's why I really dig on what we're talking about here because everything in everyone's life is fixable. Your happiness is your control. But if you don't believe you deserve it, you're never going to have it. And if you surround yourself by those, you know the people I'm talking about. It's like, hey, I want a million dollars. Oh, I got to pay taxes. I better get a shelter. What am I going to do with a million dollars? God damn the work that goes into this. You know what I mean? And I know those people. And so it's okay to say no to those people. It's okay to say, hey, how you doing? But you're not coming in this PLH circle because this is happy land. Like the coolest thing is I'm sitting on the Megan Fox Ducati 848 from Transformers that just came in. And, you know, my friend Corey Moore just took over the Republic of Texas rally. So peace, love, and happiness will have a village inside this Republic of Texas motorcycle rally. That motorcycle is already going to go for about 50K, which Motorcycle Missions is going to build. And we're going to announce it that, uh, you know, this year, the 2021 Peace, Love, and Happiness is going to be insane. Um, and we'll announce it there. And then in June, we'll give it away. And Motorcycle Missions is going to build it out. So it's going to be a custom celebrity bike. It's never been ridden on the road, only on the set. So you look at things like that, and it would be real easy for me to keep that just like the gold Rolex, sell it and keep the 30K. But that's not what it's about. It's about look what we just did for all these veterans. This is why we do it because they gave their life, their soul, a limb for our freedom. And people don't understand what's, what freedom is until it's taken. And it's getting dangerously close where people are going to be like loosely like, I don't care. No, 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 you, you have to care. Freedom is everything. It is everything. And there's people fighting for freedom so we can do this. And it's my moral obligation to make sure I take care of those people who do that. Talk about too, because like we're right in that PLH wheelhouse where you're, you know, when you're talking about whether it be first responders, people in the military, um, you know, people who have helped our country or fighting for our freedom, things like that. Um, Talk to us a little bit about some of the people that have been helped through this and, and the, the environment, because when I came to PLH the first time, I remember when you said about, um, when you said about meat, I gave him a hug and I was like, Gary, I mean, I can't hug this dude. Like, and I've never seen jeans that tight on a guy that big. Like I didn't realize that. I mean, he painted that denim on, but this dude is like the incredible Hulk, but he's big such a gentle, like making sure that everybody's good. Yeah. He's the teddy bear. Um, the teddy bear that's half like pit bull, you know, it's like, I remember like when Dakota goes up to hug him, it's like Velcro. He can't get around him. I can, you can't get around his shoulders are this big. He's got a 26 inch arm and no matter what he puts on, he's painted on because he's got legs the size of a tree. Um, but I'll give you one of the best, the best things is, and I don't want to ever embarrass me. And I don't want to divulge anything, but he had it rough. He doesn't know his family. He doesn't, he was in the, in the system. Uh, he was a, in, in foster care. So when I look at a guy like that, hold on one second. Sunday, knock it off with my son's box sitting right over there. She's, there's no one in the house. Um, we were doing interviews and we're in the um, uh, Rapid City, whatever, Rushmore, Mount Rushmore Rapid City Hotel. We have the crew and we're talking. And so we're getting that B-roll. Let's talk to the head of security. Let's bring meat up there. 
and out of nowhere, and he breaks down and, so, and he tells his story. And I don't want to get into that in case he, he's not embarrassed by it, but he slept in a car in high school, his stepbrother's car on his lawn. Uh, he doesn't know his family, doesn't know his mom, doesn't know his dad, he doesn't know his last name, where he comes from, and where he that. I mean, he just doesn't know. That's what happens when you're in the system. And um, he, when that big guy broke down, he said, you know, he points at me, he goes, there's my real brother, and there's my other real brother, and without these guys, and that was it. it he lost it. Um, this one of the biggest men, the only thing bigger than his shoulders is his heart. And then you look at him and his daughter, and he's, he, he works hard every day to make sure his kids know how much they're loved because he didn't have that. And so for him to be the man he is, it speaks volumes of his character because he, he's very, uh, obviously, you look at him and he, he walks in the room and they go, oh, and I won't tell you which one, but this is a great story. We're in Sturgis and this guy's kicking around. And, you know, there are good bodyguards and bad bodyguards and they all talk too much. Well, this guy was the pocket idiot. He was about this big little, little hulky thing bragging about certain things he shouldn't have been bragging about. And he's looking at me and I'm like, that, that dude, just give it a rest. He goes, why? I said, when you see my bodyguard, he's going to eat you. Goes, my bodyguard's like five of you. And he goes, get out. And he's all getting tough with me. And like perfect time when you feel the big steps coming down the hallway. And there's eight of us waiting to go for a ride. And everyone's already had it with this little bodyguard talking schmack. And the big fella comes over me, you know, because he's got a lot of jewelry too, by the way. He goes, Ready to ride? I said, it's my bodyguard. He goes, ooh. <laughs> I said, there you go. And the difference is, you never know who meets that guy. You don't know he was an airborne reader. You know he was a sniper. You don't know that he's a very accomplished martial artist. You don't know any of that. All you know is he's a good man who's got your back. And if anything you need to tell, you know it's going to be done with a, oh, sorry, I have to go through the, you know, 200 pound men fly away. <laughs> you know, like, we're good. So I, I look at guys like, and his name is John who tirelessly goes out there as a police officer now and takes the heat. Um, I saw a video uh, of what was going on downtown, and he took the heat. There's no way our officers should be being put through that because of a broad stroke of they're all bad. Uh, there's right and there's wrong. Burning down buildings and destroying people's lives is wrong. It doesn't matter what you're there for. If you're not peaceful, you need to be arrested. And that's as simple as it is, and you can't play in the gray. Um, you know, look what's happening in California and Portland and Minnesota. That's just wrong. It's, I saw a heartbreaking interview with a gentleman from Pakistan who moved to New York City and he had nothing. He had $40 and they opened a Pakistani restaurant because no one had it. And he became wildly successful. First night of riots, they destroyed his building. Now he and his family and their American dream is over. What's, how does that help? And so I'm not, I don't want anyone to think I'm for this one or that one. I'm for what's right. There's a right and there's a wrong. And you can't play in the middle. And that's what PLH is about. Accountability. It's about doing the right thing every day. And that takes discipline. Most people don't have that discipline. They, they just don't. You have it. John Paul has it. Eloise has it. Luke has it. Angus has it. You have to do the right thing every day. And that's it. It's discipline. And no one can get out of their own way because they want to be famous. I want to do what Kelly does. Well, he's going to put the 30 years into it that he's already got in here. But that overnight success, John Paul was going to sleep in a car. It took him how long to get to where he is, but it was never about the money. It was about who he could help along the way. And that's how you are. I mean, I still go back to Robert. I know he's hurt. He's, Salon's been closed forever, yet he's out there on the front line giving back. How can I help these people feel safe? It's crazy. Colin Caruso, same thing. I think about Colin. Colin's one of my best friends. His story rocks. But you know, his Colin in New Jersey, he made sure his people are all taken care of. 
uh, he his salon was closed, you know. And then you know, guys like you, <laughs> your salons were closed. You took care of your people. Uh, you know, now everyone forgets that you know the place everyone goes for any major decision in their life, first person to see is their hairdresser. Yep, we're going to close these people down. Think about it. Hair salons have been trained in health and sanitation. Why the hell is the Home Depot open when the hair salon is closed? <laughs> I've got some dude who's doing this with his nostrils going, you picking up that grill? I'm like, not now. <laughs> it's got your gooeys all over it. <laughs> like, no. Or if you go to a hair salon, it is clean and it's good. So we, we have to wake up and understand that, you know, change will come, but you have to be an agent of change. You can't just sit back and let everyone do the heavy lifting. Uh, that's not how this works. And that's why people are trucks, because everyone does the heavy lifting. Just like Jay Redmond, uh, you talk about some of the cats I've met. you got, you know, Navy SEAL, retired Lieutenant Jay, Jay Redmond, you know, shot up in the field of battle. He comes out of there trying to help as much as he can. Uh, we met him in Sturgis. Not once did he ever ask us for money. He said, I need some help. i got to get this message out because PTSD is real. And that's killing more men and women than bullets. And when you see the suicide rate among our, our returning vets, it breaks your heart. So first thing he did, me and JP looked around and he goes, all right, take my brass Knievel, a brass motorcycle made by Evil Knievel and Robbie before Evil passed away. Priceless. JP goes, all right, we're going to auction this off in Sturgis. So we auctioned it off. I mean, that, I mean that's telling it's done. It's your first 40K. And that's not anything that we're bragging about. It's just like, there's a problem. We're going to fix it. And that gave Jay the lift up. And now Jay, just like you, I'm like, he's like, what do I do with my charity? I said, your charity really isn't who you are. Your charity is great, but that doesn't help as many people as you being on stage telling these stories and bringing awareness to everyone out there about what's really happening to some of these cats. I mean, you know, I forget her name, but she was a bomb tech. This cute little girl has no arms. And she doesn't even, you can't even tell she has no arms because you don't see her with no arms. Or Nubby, my friend Nubby, you know, Tyler Southern, a Marine, lost both legs and one arm was hanging on with the claw. And his nickname is Nubby. I mean, you want to see something cool, go to uh, at McNubbins is his Instagram. He's got this badass wheelchair and he's cruising through a park and all the kids are chasing him like he's a make-believe dragon. I mean, this is who we surround ourselves with. Uh, Are you an American or American? That's the old saying, you know, and uh, this is who we are. And, and you know, I mean, remember the hesitation, the reservation you had when you first showed up? Would it take an hour for you to realize I'm home? Man, I mean, I remember showing up to the hideout. You said like, hey, and you just made it seem so normal. You were like, yo, we're going to the hideout. And I was like, ah, okay. And so we show up. I ride a motorcycle that I had never ridden outside of a parking lot. And it was at night, so I was having to go through that. And then I show up to, and I realized that, and I never told you this, it was literally the clubhouse from the Little Rascals. It really (laughs) was. Like, I roll in, and all the guys are hanging out, except they're not riding bicycles, they're riding motorcycles. But this is my introduction to PLH. And I don't, I have never told you this. So I walk into, I walk into the hideout. You, I see meat outside and I'm freaked out. Cause this is not like, we keep talking about meat. This guy is so massive tattoos everywhere. I mean, he's like a biker. Like when you think of like biker, biker that you, you were not going home. Um, that's who meat is when you see him, he says, hello. He tells me he kind of motions in. I walk in right as I walk in, John Paul's, turns like turns on his stool and like he he noticed me he's like and he says 
Hey, Kelly, Kelly, I'm over here. It's, it, it's me, JP. And I'm thinking, I know who you are, man. And he's like, Kelly, over here. It's me, JP. Come over and meet my friend, Ron. And I walk across and I know who Ron is. And I look next to him and he's like, meet my friend, Ron. Uh, this is my friend, Ron. And he starts uh, telling me all about Ron. And I was like, and I'm thinking the whole time, I'm like, JP, I know who Ron is. And it's Ron White. And he introduced me to him and he's like, oh, hey, Kelly, you know, Ron, hey, Kelly. And JP is like, you know, he's a good friend of ours. And, uh, you know, he starts talking about everything. And then we just go on and it's this surreal, like I'm in um, dust till dawn. Yep. And it was, I mean, just so surreal, that surreal. And again, like for like for probably 45 minutes, an hour, I'm just sitting and I'm like, am I, you know, is this stuff real? And then every time someone would come up, I would diffuse a little bit, a little bit because nobody cared anything of what I had done. They cared who I was. Yeah. Welcome to the family. Didn't it feel good? Oh my gosh. Well, it, you know, and I don't want to just expand so you guys understand. This was the clubhouse for what we call the Gunslingers, which was a for real MC club, but it was all badges. You had to be in law enforcement somehow. And that's where I get the nickname. My patch in, because I'm not a policeman, is Mayhem. I'm an honorary member because of all the money that we've raised to help the police. And John Paul is El Patron. And so that's our, our, our honorary names, and that's where they come from. So when we go to the clubhouse, it's just like Sons of Anarchy, only cooler because it's all police. You know, we had some FBI, some CIA. You didn't have to just be awesome, but there were some cool cats in there. And, you know, Ron White is the character because that was the year he rode in my sidecar. On the- <laughs> Remember that? He had my uh, Peter Fonda red, white, and blue helmet on. You know? Yeah, and the smoke. He goes, slow down, because, you know, I'm not telling any story. Everyone knows what Ron's about. Um, so he's lighting one of his special cigars and he can't get it going, but there's 20 cops behind me and he ducked that head down under there and that pillow comes out and all of a sudden meat rolls up right next to me. Yo, your sidecar's on fire. I said, no, no, wrong way's on fire. <laughs> and, you know, these are the kind of people that, you know, Ron White is Ron White, but at, at the clubhouse, he's just another dude hanging with some good guys making a difference in the world. Uh, and that's, you know, I still love the year that when Keanu came, you know, he, Keanu's a big star. I and mean, you sometimes forget that because of your friends and he builds motorcycles and he's just that nice a guy. And, and I, you never want to put him in a weird spot. But when we went and picked him up, me and me grabbed him at the hotel, brought him back to JP's house. And he was riding his beautiful new arch motorcycle that they built. And no one thought that he was going to come because I don't tell them because if he doesn't, he does, he does, he does. We walk into the house and it's all the pretty ladies like it's Eloise and Alexis and Kelly and all these pretty ladies who look pretty, but they're in their like jammy bottoms and they're not ready to receive people, but it's us, so they use us. Keanu walks through the door and he that's Keanu Reeves. Boom, they scatter. They come back even prettier, you know, because it's Keanu Reeves. And, and those are the kind of things that I hope everyone takes away because You've been there. You know our friends. It doesn't matter your stature in the world. There's one guy, and I, don't, I never want to embarrass him, but he doesn't have money, and he's a good friend of ours. And one day, John Paul said, we should pay for him. And I said, we can't pay for him, because if we do that, we take away his pride. I said, that money he gives to us every year is because he wants to John Paul. And, you know, John Paul is always that giver. He doesn't want anyone to be past where they're not comfortable. And once we started talking, and John Paul's like, you're right. You know, we, that's what he does. This means a lot for him to donate this money. And it's like that, you know, biblical stories you hear. It's like the woman who gives one penny, but that's all she had. And the guy who has 40 pennies only gives a half a penny. 
You know, there's, there's a give level. Um, and I'm not saying it's no one's obligation to give that to your business, but he ain't heavy. He's my brother. And if we're not helping each other, what are we here for? Uh, and that's the beauty of the PLH. That's the beauty of being like having a service heart. You're born this way. You were born this way. When Claybaugh was born this way, I, I remember the first time I met him and I remember how, I know how close he is with my wife, but that guy's tirelessly giving. That's all he does is give uh, because he appreciates his lot in life and the blessings he has. Um, there's so many other people I could go on and name in this company. I mean, the coolest thing is, you know, we have Paul Mitchell. So you had Paul and John Paul, and then we lost Paul. And then the best one-two punch in the history of our industry is John Paul and Luke. I've never seen their combination in John Paul and Luke before Patron took off. So John Paul was very much at Paul Mitchell. That was our sales department. That was the face of our sales. And as John Paul kept getting bigger and doing more for the world, the time here, so he replaced him with someone who wasn't even close to being a salesperson, a, a book smart person who didn't have a And that's what happened to our sales department. All of a sudden, John Paul sees it, Luke sees it, Michael Lean becomes more active now. His daughter, and if you don't know Michael Lean, she is one of the most brilliant young ladies I've ever met. She's humble as hell. And when she speaks, there's an authority of love. It's a caring thing. And she's never going to take you down the wrong path. So they get together and they find Jason Yates. Jason Yates comes on board. Brilliant acquisition. Next one is Pete. Pete Castellanos is a sales guy. So finally we get a real sales guy at the head of our team. Now John Paul can be back to, this is the way we need to go. Luke can help manage. But you got Jason who's with Luke kind of on that side in operations. He's head of operations and Pete in sales. Finally, the big guys don't have to shoulder everything. We have a solid team. And then you have Michael. And I'm telling you right now, if everyone's listening, you want to get your eggs in the basket, JPMS, and ultimate pace. See how I threw that in? You always get to do that. But you want to be with companies who are not going anywhere, people who want your success more than you want your success. And that's that's PLH. That's your world. That's everyone and like me and all these cats we're talking about. There's not a person we've talked about today that wouldn't give you their last dollar. And just because you needed it, that would be it. No questions asked. They wouldn't expect anything in return. And a great, great example is this year's PLH. We put $70,000 into that charity without having a ride. And, you know, I called everyone up and I said, listen, it's not happening. We'll refund your donation. People got mad at me. What do you mean refund my donation? I'm going to come down there and give you a kick. I mean, Jeff Swain goes, I'll throw my dog at you. <laughs> you know, it's you know, it's one of these things where I'm so proud because this is what started when everyone said this wouldn't work. You know how many people told us PLH wouldn't work? We didn't listen. First year we were sold out, we blew it up. We've been sold out. And, and to anyone who's wanting to come, you have to be nominated by someone who already rides. Uh, you just can't call them and say, I'm going. It, you can't because that's not how it works. It's it's uh, you have to join the cause through someone you trust because it's that special. It's a celebration of a man who I love who's given more back to people than I know than anyone else. And it's not just his money; it's his time. And I remember we were doing a documentary, and I'll never forget this. And they asked for John Paul to be the, the talker, and it was a great piece. We rode into Star Hill Ranch on the motorcycles, and we we're talking about the road Austin and how Austin became Austin, and we lay it all out. JP gets a call and I'll send you a picture. Us on set, I'm all having fun, and you can see JP's probably talking about, oh, what do you mean they're going to invade Kuwait? I'll fix that, you know, something super important. Uh, and so we get going, and he leaves, 
And immediately the producers come up to me and go, so you think JP is good for 500K? I said, for what? They said, to kick for the project. I said, whoa, and please, Willie Nelson's a dear friend and we love him. I said, well, how much did Willie kick? They said, nothing. I said, then why does JP, let me just break down the math. And that's when he wasn't even, you know, the big $8 billion guy. He was on $5 billion. I broke it down. He makes 60, 60 grand a minute. He was here for four hours. You want that paycheck? Or you, <laughs> I mean, come on. He's given more in cash now just by time than anyone here combined. And they all went, damn, you're a dick. <laughs> I'm like, that's the truth, boys. Four hours at that level, he just gave over a million and a half of his time. And that's what no one ever values. I'm very mindful of what your time is worth, Kelly, because if I'm asking for your time, you're taking away from Maddox and, you, and McKenna in Brooklyn. If I'm asking for John Paul's time, we're taking the same thing. So when John Paul freely gives up his time, they don't understand that's more valuable than the cash he has. And that's the beauty of John Paul. I mean, think about Eloise. His wife is so giving of her time of that man. She understands his lot on this planet and she continuously gives from the heart. She's the glue that keeps it together and she shares her time with her love with everybody. You want to talk about beautiful soul? I couldn't ask for a better partner. I got two of the strongest women on the planet. Look at me. I'm grinning at it. You can't stop this train, brother. <laughs> So what do you so what do you see? Because you're you're constantly you know you're constantly <clears throat> moving ahead. You're constantly looking to those Star Wars things, and they're they're uh, you know they are your reality. You know, and when I talk to you about dreams, you you almost just pat me on the head, and you're like, "That's cute. It's already done. Let's keep going." Right. Yeah. So what do you see next for PLH? Like, what do you see? Uh, you know, as you as you move forward with it, what is that? You know, what is that thing that 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 you're looking at? Right now, and I'm glad you asked, uh, we tested the ground with the PLH apparel, uh, you know, our, our Newman's own. Uh, so you come to us, and all of a sudden, you buy stuff from us that money goes to the charity. So we sold out our first run. So now I'm looking at other ways, like there's other things, like we want to create a website where it's peace, love, happiness. So let's say, Kelly, you have stuff on there. The only way you get to belong on this website is a percentage of your money goes back to your charity. So we're not asking for any money from anybody. But we know the clout that, you know, being part of John Paul's world brings and peace, love, happiness is such a trusted brand. And I can honestly say this right now. We had a great conversation on Monday. Uh, Richard Shaw, Steven Tyler, Steven wants us to handle all his merchandise now. We did that one shirt for him, sold out, bar none, quickest thing ever. So now on the PLH website, you'll have a Steven Tyler section. We're still working out the details because Steven's a big entity. So you got to make sure that, you know, the juice is there to provide because we saw how fast just that artwork. I mean, you saw the shirt, but he drew something. We turned it into a shirt and bang, it was gone. And so, you know, and then if you look at all the other people, you know, with no right, let's say Ron White says, all right, Gary, I want to get on this website. So maybe he makes a line of shot glasses, you know, for his tequila, number one tequila. Next thing you know, all the sales from that goes back there. Here's the cool thing. We were talking, and I won't say who, but they have, they just created a bourbon. And we want to give money back to, you know, fight alcoholism. And people go, that's bullshit. I said, no, that's like Coppertone having a skin cancer research part. We're fighting the disease. We know this is enjoyable for most people, but there's a percentage who can't handle it. So how do we help those people wow. that suffer from our products? And I'm not saying, you, but you know, I have alcoholism in my family, and it's not the liquor's fault. <laughs> it's, I got, you know, they can't handle it. So how do we fix that? You know, so if you look at anything that's often out there we can fix it by just being purposeful and understanding that you know there's a yin and a yang to everything 
And if you, the dark side of that, that little circle there that looks like a cookie, you got to make sure you're aware of that. And how do we make it a bright side? And it's always going to be, that's like when you watch television, they're mandating stop hating. You're never going to get people to stop hating. So to penalize the whole country for people who hate is wrong. You can't stop hate. That's just how the world, that's how we're wired. That's how we grew up from cavemen. There's hate in the world. The thing is, is to not endorse it or be part of it and keep the train going down the right track. Because, you know, I mean, you know the rules. You want to get on this love fest we're on, you got to be a good person. That's as simple as we don't care about your money, what you do, and who you are. We care about this. And if you can sit in a room full of us and just feel that love without asking for favors or money or whatever, you belong. That's, and you see it. I mean, you just go to any big gathering. Someone's always hustling. Hey, I'm a great educator. You need to hire me to come down. No, I know. I mean, education is great. It empowers people, but that's not what sells product. The hairdresser sells product on what they teach your client to do with it. That's as simple as that is. And if your client doesn't believe in you, you're never going to sell a haircut or a bottle of shampoo. And, you know, salons have to wake up that that's their cash flow. That's the guy that shows up every day, never takes a day off, it sits over there and it enhances the look you created. Well, it's seeing you and it's, it's this, this calm presence of being able to sit in the pocket. And I watched you sit in the pocket at PLH when uh, it was, um, they wouldn't let us in the bar. Remember, they wouldn't sell us uh, alcohol until a certain time, until a certain time at the hotel. And then they opened up and um, Mark came in, his lady, and there was a couple other musicians. They grabbed guitars and one guy grabbed a little stool and started using it as a drum. And having a, a concert of huge when i say this guys you listening we're not saying any names but huge musicians that are just jamming singing songs that haven't even been released yet and just sitting in the pocket and i remember you leaning forward you actually i think you got a picture but you le- you you leaned forward and you looked over and it was just like as if to say this is what it's about it's not about selling anything kelly because if you continue to do what your purpose to do, we won't even be able to field all the sales that happen. Yeah. Talk to a little bit, uh, talk about that experience or those experiences like that, because honestly it's, it, and, and like I said, PLH is like when you do one of them, it's the whole weekend is full of these. Like you, you keep turning around. My dad was like, my dad was exhausted. Pops was exhausted by the end of the day. Cause he was like, I kept turning around and he was like, holy cow. I mean, the first interaction with John Paul, and I don't know if I told you this, but John Paul is uh, like, Hey Kelly, come over. And you know, I said, this is my pops. And I said, um, you know, I'm excited cause we we're doing the, the, you know, just did the salon and, um, uh, the hard rock at the time we did. And I said, thank you so much for coming out. And he's like, Oh, um, Richard, you know, he's a good friend of mine. Um, and then he turns to you and he says, Hey, Gary, remember when we were with Richard and Nelson and Brad, uh, down in South Africa and we were laughing and then Nelson turned to me and said, John Paul, why don't you give me a job? And I turned to Nelson and said, what kind of job could I give you? And he said, I just need any job that will get me away from my wife for a couple of days. And <laughs> My dad is sitting there and my dad's wheels are going a little bit. And then I turned to my dad and I uh, turned to pops and I was like, he was talking about Richard Branson, Nelson Mandela and Brad Pitt. And my dad, my pops doesn't care who people are, what they've done. But my pops is like, 
he's just looking and you can see it in him. But these experiences happen so often. Like, but I see you and you stay in the pocket. You just stay in the pocket the whole time. When Big Kenny is doing a concert, for God's sake, doing a concert for like 75 people on a, yep. por- on a porch, like on a porch on, at Starlight. And we're all really close. And then he comes off and just doesn't like go out the back like a normal musician would. He comes right down, high five. And you and Dakota go up on the, uh, uh, you know, you guys are up there. He, he's singing. He tells some mom jokes, things like that. Talk to us about staying in the pocket in all, I mean, does Gary ever get freaked out? Do you ever have pinch me moments? I mean, you were just talking about Steven Tyler and you said it like it was my uncle Bob. Um, you talk about Robbie who is kid rock. Um, you're, you're speaking about John Paul and you know what, what his time is worth all this stuff. Does Gary ever have the freak out moments of like, Holy crap. Like, look, I mean what I'm in or are you in the pocket all the time? I can tell you right now, I, I'm humbled by my life. Uh, there's times I wake up and I'll call my kid sister, Lindsay, who means the world to me. Uh, you know, Lindsay, she's the director at DLH and she's also the vice president of Ultimate Face. She works tirelessly. But when I have those moments and she goes, what are you thinking? And I'll, I'll say, you know, I remember when she was born and then my house burned to the ground and now I'm here. And, um, the reason, uh, as you put it, I'm so calm in the pocket. I trust the people I'm with. I know it's going to work out. And it goes back to what John Paul always says. And if it doesn't, it's not the end of the world. You know why? Because those 75 people, including the Ron Whites and the, and the Big Kennys and the Keanu, all those people that you just mentioned, they're friends first. So and so you look at it and you go, all right, so what are we going to do? So when they, the, my favorite part of all that, what we just talked about is, you know, Mark's wife, Krista, can sing opera. Do you remember when she, I said, all right, I got to change the pace here. I said, would you sing opera for me? Because you don't need a band for that. Do you remember when she sang that aria? Everyone was over here. There was like 40 other people in the hotel who had a meeting, and nobody all of a sudden it goes, pin drop silent. And she's like, oh. And that set the tone for the rest of the weekend. Because, you know, we had a challenge. And we weren't, you know, they should have been there. They were understaffed. I get it. So we're not that kind of group who goes, hey, do you know who we are? No. We're going to work with you because nobody got up to have a bad day. Not one person in that hotel woke up and said, how can I screw up PLH this week? And I want to have a crappy day and I want to be the worst employee. No one wakes up and says that. So they went to work and snowballs happen and, you know, all these thunderbolts. And you fix it with one powerful voice. One. And everyone calms down. She soothed the, the jungle, if you will. And by the time she was oh, to the end, that place was open. Patron was being poured. Everyone over here from the IT company that was there was like making donations to the cause. I mean, those guys probably gave us two thousand dollars that night for PLH. I mean, because after that they mingled with all of us, and still to this day, I think how I'm able to stay in the pocket when people go like your first experience. I had no idea. It, it leaves you like this because all of a sudden everything you're like when you say Star Wars moments where you want to be, you found it. You you said, oh, there is. I live in it now. You're in your Star Wars moment, which means, you know, the, the, what is that old saying? The, the sky's the limit only if you let it be. And we don't play up to the sky because the sky's infinite. It just keeps going. And as long as you're doing the right thing and you're with the right people, you never look back and wonder. That's a deal. The, that old saying, you can't change yesterday's news. You can't. I mean, you know, you realize that the brain has 60,000 conversations a day, give or take, and 95% of it's from yesterday. 
that has no effect on me. And that's the brilliance of it all. Um, today is today. Yesterday is gone. I can't do a thing about it. And, you know, it's like when I go home and I tell the story, my kid's sister will laugh about it. But I played ball. I was pretty good at it. But there's a couple of kids still in my hometown that will go to a certain place and they're still there and they want to talk about that day we beat Wareham. Do you remember that day? I'm 55 this year. I don't remember high school. I remember it. But that was a piece of my life back then. That was Gary in high school. And I have fond memories of that. But I don't live there. And I feel bad for people who live there because there's so much out there. You know, Woody from the Buffalo Chip. Dear friend, he just created Buffalo Chip American Whiskey. Because he is a visionary. This is, we're talking about guys who are, you know, past their 70s now who look like they're in the 50s. And there's no need for him to do it. But what he realizes, I have the biggest campground and, you know, 20,000 people come to the Buffalo Chip at Sturgis, maybe more. He sells them a whiskey that's top shelf. And now he's got a new business that he can give money back. I mean, these guys are doing things and how they give back. And, and it's it's what you're doing. Like, you know, whether you realize it or not, you're six indicators, that gives back. People who, who just need to, to read one page, 10 pages of the whole book, something strikes them like, oh, I got it. It's my fault. I, I, the indicators, you know, you know, and I'm not taking a shot, but you'll agree with me. Most uh, motivational speakers are just recycling common sense, <laughs> you know, but there's never a call to action. It's that firework motivation, but with your indicators, there's a call to action. Because when there's a call to action, there's accountability, you know, mm-hmm. because absence of leadership is chaos. And that's everyone knows that. And I will never, ever underestimate to predictability is stupidity. (laughs) It's so predictable. And everyone thinks it's it's something new. What's unpredictable is when great things happen and you can't explain it except for this smile and this realism. Anyone who's listening right now, if you don't have a friend like I have in Kelly, then you're in the wrong circle. Get out. Go get yourself someone you can trust and call. I know this brother. I get up at five. He's two hours behind me, so I wait till seven. He's up at five, and then we talk. I mean, it's and it's never like, oh, what are you calling me for? It's like we're enthusiastically engaged. Um, it's like I was talking to Angus the other day. You know, John Paul just got this real cool Ferrari. And the fun thing about that, I took a picture and I sent it to a couple guys who I know love Ferraris. And it's a 1967 GTV, whatever. And it's, it's, it's one of the, they write about this car. It's the most enjoyable sports car. So Angus and I are talking about it. And I can hear the joy in his voice that he's happy. Angus just redid John Paul's 57 Chevy at, at Gearbox, his, his car uh, empire. And I call it an empire because you go over there. And these are things that speak about who Angus is and what he represents. And, this, and he's earned the right to be Angus Mitchell. Because you think about the shadow that cast, you know, you call Mitchell's I mean, Angus has always been Angus Mitchell, and I'm, I'm proud to say that, you know, there's never been a day I've ever been disappointed in Angus Mitchell. He lives Angus Mitchell, you know, and it's not hard. I mean, it's hard at the top. People take shots at you. You know, that, you know, what's the old saying? Heavy is the head that wears the crown. It's like, boop, you know, that's a tough job. And so when you look at these people and how they operate, and you go back to, like, this friendship, and everyone wonders why their life is bad, it's because you surrounded yourself with negative thinkers. The first thing out of their mouth is can't do it, won't do it, can't happen. The first thing out of your mouth is if we tweet this, what do you think? And I love when you say, Gary, what do you think about this? It's always, what do you think about this? You know, Luke, and if I go to Luke, he goes, well, help me understand. He never says it can't happen. He says, help me understand how this is. Is it measurable? And certain things like a Luke who's an operations guy, um, emotional gratification is sometimes unmeasurable. And so you hear some of these interviews that are coming back from messages from the road. 
And then you can measure what our culture actually, because culture is one of those invisible things no one knows how to measure. But you know how to measure it. I know how to measure it. And it's, it's in feeling and it's in confidence because there's nothing better than feeling safe in your own skin with people who love you. That's where you feel your best. That's where you give your best work. And so when you came to PLH, this was out of your comfort zone. Like you said, I didn't ride motorcycles, but you, you could ride a bike. And when you get around those people who embraced you and you were safe, then it didn't matter if you dropped it in the parking lot. I mean, that was a brand new Indian scout that we delivered to you. The brand's banking new. And we trusted you because you were with us and you're one of us. And, and now look at you, what's since your fourth or fifth year, you've been to six of them, I think, including Nashville. So you're almost in the Hall of Fame, bro. And that's pretty cool, you know? And it's, and you know, when it goes, what's the Hall of Fame? It's just when you, you've donated or raised this much money for the cause that you've been this many times. But you've done it in record speed because you're doing two or three PLHs a year. And that's because you can't get enough of this drug. And I know why you come, because you have a giving heart. But it makes you, uh, uh, my life matters. My purpose is being realized. And anyone out there listening to Kelly, you know what I'm talking about. It's when you get up and you lay your head on that pillow and you've done the best you can, you sleep like a rock. If you wronged anybody or fibbed or lied, you don't sleep. So if you want to wake up strong and happy, go to bed pure every day. Make sure your soul, you know, just don't, you know, it's, it's just as simple as that. And, you know, if you wrong someone, you have to apologize. You can't just let it roll. I mean, there's occasions and, you know, I'll just use traffic because I get that big old van and I didn't see this guy. I'm like, oh, and he's like this, two finger and the one finger at me. And I put my window down. I'm so sorry, bro. I didn't see you. Well, pay attention. I said, I will. I didn't get angry. It was my fault. But as he's swearing at me, I'm getting a little, uh, I'm like, man, I hope you have a great day. I apologize. That was it. He was good. He took off. Um, you know, during COVID, I sent out a text looking for a friend of mine. This is how powerful the word is. And I asked, the, you know, I said, is this so-and-so? I want to make sure you're okay. And they said, no, nah, this isn't his number. I said, I'm sorry. I intruded on your time. Please make sure you and your family are safe during these you know, trying times. And about 20 minutes later, I get this call. And this guy's on the other end. He goes, what you said to me in that text changed how I looked at my day. Just being kind. And it doesn't take an extra minute. And I'm not getting hokey with it, but it's your choice. You can either be that guy like you and John Paul and Robert and Angus and Michael and Luke and Jason P, my wife, all the good people you know, all Joe Peters in the world. We have that choice. And they choose to be good people. The other side chooses to be resentful and jealous. And how come I don't have what Kelly has? Because Kelly's happy. It's as simple as it is, man. If you're happy here, the rest is here. And I mean, you've known me forever. I, I'm not going to change because I like happy. I dig on happy. That is my drug of choice, man. <laughs> yeah. And then it comes out. And, but we do good. And it's, it's, it's a wild ride, man. Like, we had all these PLA shirts. So I took them down. And instead of going and donating them to the shelter, I know where the homeless camps are. So and, and please don't be mad at me, people. But this is how they like to get it. So brand new quilt. I go right out the window of my van and it rolls into the camp. Someone picks it up and they get a new pillow with a quilt. Bags of clean socks and shirts out the window, rolls into the camp and they take it. And so now I'm seeing like this, this I'm an original Paul Mitchell shirt, about 20 of them walking around with the camp. It's a clean shirt, uh, PLH shirts. And it makes a difference because no matter what, these people wouldn't have made it down to get the distribution of product. We're going right to the source because whether people want to say it or not, I've these people don't want to be on the street. Whatever happened to them caused them to be on the street. 
And you can't drive by an encampment, no matter how ugly and, and how bad it seems to you. Imagine being that's your home. And then inside that camp, there's a whole little community and a culture of, you know, there's a pecking order and this one gets that one. But it warms my heart to see him in a, in a clean shirt that says PLH on it. You know, it's cool as poo. It's, uh, you know, and they're appreciative of it. Now they see the van and they look and say, what's he going to toss us today, you know? But I only do it when I get donations of clothes. And I'm like, I got so many T-shirts and stuff that they love it. I mean, it, it's cool. Wow. So let me ask you this. Why does, I mean, you do, you, I mean, I, like anyone listening, um, you just want more of Gary, like that, being around. But the cool thing for you is you always deflect. Like, it's not Gary that's happening. It's happiness that's happening. It's being great and, and pushing that forward and always blessing other people. Why does, I mean, you met Pops and you're amazing to everybody, but you connected with Pops on this crazy level. And it literally, I mean, when you talk about fast friends, I'm talking about fast family. Um, why does Pops mean so much to you? Because of who he is. Um, he's a dad who's proud of his son. Um, I've never heard your dad ever, ever talk ill against anybody. I've never seen your dad say anything that the glass was never half full. It's never half empty. Um, and you get that. Um, when a man hugs you the way he hugs, you get that. Um, he shows, he's so humble for who he is. and His genuine appreciation for your time and your person. And he sees you for who you are. And he loves you for who you are. Um, the way he talks about you, Kelly, and I told you this, is it strikes me as a dad, dad-to-dad thing, just like you and I are dad-to-dad. But I have a son, and when he talks about you with the level of pride of you, your brother, and the kids, that's that's the coolest thing because he can actually, you can see his shoulders come down because his job is done because he's raised brilliant children. And I really believe, and I always do, it's a measure of a man I judge by the quality of their kids. If you get some, and I'm going to say it just the way, if you get those shithead kids who don't appreciate anything who are entitled, that comes from not being a good father. End of story. It comes from, and you look at single moms who raise beautiful kids. Do you know how hard it is to be a single mom? Those are my favorite superheroes, um, you know, because it's impossible to do both jobs of a husband and a, and a wife. I mean, you have to. And I've seen some brilliant jobs with that. But when you look at someone who's a married couple with kids, and you see brilliant kids, you know the family's great. When you see unappreciative, disobedient, disrespectful, then the family's wrong. And that's what I see. I've never seen you or your brothers or any of your family members other than humble, respectful, and grateful. And that's how that man's heart is, and that's who you are. And so when Pops and I connected, um, you know, I just lost my dad. He filled a void for me for a minute because he was everything I was looking for at once upon a time. And he came in and we talked about gentlemen. And I mean gentlemen, because there's not enough gentlemen on the planet. People who respect other people's space and time. And we had a gentlemanly like talk about the world, about the earth, you know, just where we are and what tickles our fancy. And, and it was immediate. And plus he was in my sidecar. And you know, here's a guy who just got the worst news he could, and he didn't even mention it once. He was on cloud nine. We had a shot at Patron because you know, I kept a little something in the side for him. <laughs> He okay. never told me that. He never told me that part, Gary. <laughs> Figure out how to drink it under the helmet. <laughs> He's all kick, 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 you know. But I think what really gave your pops the most is when Dakota let him have the sidecar. Because no matter what, it was Dakota's call. That's his sidecar. Dakota rode on the back of Meat's bike because he knew how important pops was to Meat and you and that ride. 
So Dakota gave up that warm, cushy side cover, and he got behind me. Do you remember when we took him off Meath's bike? His legs were so cold, he went right to the crowd. And he goes, Dad, tell Pops he has to ride with me tomorrow. <laughs> and then it was warm, and he was good. But, you know, I mean, that's when I knew I, I'm successful was when my son's good. Uh, when he's becoming the man that I want him to be, and I see him becoming that man, and when I'm watching and he doesn't know it, and people say, your son's so respectful, that means the world to me, just like how people talk about you to your dad. And that's why we were like, boom. It was like, we want the same things. And when you have a shared desire with a total stranger that feels like you know forever, then you know it's meant to be. It's, it's not a weird thing to say, we walked this planet together before. We could have been in, in you know, Italy and in, you know, the 1800s, and this is our second go-round. We could have been rabbits in Colorado. I don't know, but I know Pops and he knows me. You know, it's... Uh, and just like, you know, that's how it works for me. It's, uh, you know, like Eddie DePalma, you know, Eddie and Laura, the guy with all the tats. And, you know, Eddie was one of those guys, boom, immediate. And uh, so, I, you know, I, I pay attention to that stuff. I mean, people dismiss it because they're onto something, they want something more, but they don't realize how valuable a true friend really is. And that's the most important thing. Well, the whole reason why I created the podcast, number one is you, you, you pushed me and motivated me on a level. And I remember calling you and saying, um, uh, something that really impressed, not impressed me, impacted me. And we I was on one of my walks. It was early in the morning. And, uh, I said something about motivation or inspiration. And this is the, I mean, you turned from, um, loving Gary uh, lifting up Gary to Gary, like, uh, -uh. cause you said you don't need motivation. You don't need inspiration. What you need is discipline. It takes discipline to be a good father. It takes discipline to come home to your wife when there's other things or whatever it is. It takes discipline to be a great husband. It takes discipline to do all these things. So the motivation and all the inspiration in the world doesn't mean anything unless you have discipline. Yeah. Help me with that. Well, when I said that to you, what did you think? It, right? I mean, it, it, it pushed me back and, and, and made me think about my own situation as opposed to leaning into my buddy Gary who has the answers, who can help me along on this journey. It helped me to take self, uh, almost have like a, a self-realization and to, like you were talking about and alluding to that, is you were you were helping me to understand that I had to make the decisions. And if it was wrong that I made that decision, I got to own up to it. I got to own it and then make it better. That's what I took from it. And that's exactly what it is, Kel. It's uh, you, you wanted something and it was only going to get all the motivational talk in the world. Wasn't going to get you there. It was going to take the discipline and the commitment from you to make this podcast happen. That's as simple as it was. And, you know, it's once you clicked onto that, you're like, this is my focus now. This is this is my purpose. And you're a guy that's motivated by how much you can help people. And you realize that I can help more people with this podcast and share what I've been through and grow them through discipline. Because you and I talked about this. It was discipline that put us on this today. It was discipline. I got to be there at three. You got to be there at one. Texting, it's two minutes to go. You get everything. I mean, it. It takes discipline to be the best. I like Michael Jordan, you know, cut from his high school basketball team. Discipline to be the first guy in, last guy out of the gym. He's, a, he's an amazing athlete. He's the best basketball player I ever played. Steve Jobs, discipline. 
I'm not backing off my vision. All right, the board of directors can fire me. I'm going to create Pixar, but you're going to need me back because what I do is right. I make it beautiful, functional, and desirable. And I know I'm right. And his discipline kept him on track. John Paul DeJure. Do you know his discipline is one of the things I the most because I don't know where I'd be if I had his money. I could be a raging, crazy man. <laughs> I mean, there could be a couple jets going, Kelly, I'll be there in a minute. We're going to more and more. But he's still so disciplined because he wants to make the world a better place. And that's that's what gives me my discipline. Because, you know, I like you said, it's like I watch how disciplined my wife is. That's di- I mean, she'll work all weekend because it has to be done. And that's discipline. She doesn't sacrifice our family time. Because she knows the coolest thing is my wingman is with me. Like me and big man rode bikes and motorcycles this week. We got on three of our three beautiful rides on that. You know, if you want a cool motorcycle, this new Indian Challenger I have is bar none. Oh, comfortable, fast, performs. Anyway, but you can the man over at Music City. Thanks, brother. That's a shout out to you. But that's discipline. Um, you know, like when you get done, you have other things to do. Like I, I could go sit right now and have a cigar and a nice glass of wine and bask in this joy. I mean, I'm overwhelmed with joy talking to you this way. And I know people know that sounds kind of hokey, but anyone who knows us knows this isn't BS. This is all genuine. We've acknowledged people who we respect in our world that is still disciplined enough to go out and fight the good fight. And it comes back to what makes a great salesperson. It's not what you sell, it's what you stand for. And every day I wake up with the sword in my hand going, what dragon I got to drop today to make the world a better place. And I mean that whether it's, you know, not the right toilet paper in my men's room at the building to I got to call this person up because they just got hit with a big old, like my next door neighbor. Because we were the first building in our development. And Corona hit. This guy opened up. His biggest contract was ACL. Bang, canceled. Next one, South by canceled. So here's a guy who's got his whole world invested into this. And we sit and talk. I said, you should make coffee. He has a grinds make coffee. So he turned his little front end into come get your coffee through a drive through window. Now, it's not making the money like a South by Southwest, but it's keeping his name out there. So how do you help that guy today? How do you help your, your, your son get through homeschool? Um, and it's discipline because it's easy for you and I because we could do what every generation has done before. It's like, yeah, you figure it out yourself. That's not what I want for my son. I, I want my son to be confident in every interaction he has, knowing that I'll be there and his mother will be there to help. And it's the same thing with your business partners. I'm talking one of the coolest ladies I know is Michelle Savelle. She just took over TNT, a big fan of yours. And this shout out goes to her because she took over TNT from Tony and Taylor Brown. Corona hits. First month she has it, her salon's closed. Now, this girl is also a martial artist, great mother, great wife, someone I respect. She was one of the first people to go on the road with Lori when we launched Ultimate Face. She was pregnant with her son. So this girl is very important to me. She's not a hairdresser. She's come out of COVID pretty strong and her salon is jamming. And so that's discipline. That's the kind of discipline it takes to be successful and happy because happiness isn't just here. You create your happiness. And I see people create happiness all the time for them. Now, it's when the people have addiction problems and they lost their happiness and they're trying to find it somewhere else and, and the infidelity to try to find that happiness they once had. It's a trip to watch because your happiness is you. It's, it's not the, the Ferrari, it's not the motorcycle, it's you. And once you're happy, everyone around you is happy. And I hate being upset. And, you know, we all have a temper. But once you take the temper and put it into what it's supposed to do, I mean, you need a temper because there's no way someone's going to bang down that door and take my family. There's that, that invisible line where John Paul says it best. He goes, 
nicest guy in the world until the biker comes out. And, you know, he and I have been in more than one barroom brawl. He does not like to fight, but I'll tell you what, once in Sturgis, we cleaned house, me, him, and we pushed Fonda out the door because Peter couldn't fight. He had a bad leg. And there were people throwing haymakers, and me and JP were like, dang, dang. And we cleaned house. The boy can throw. But there's a time and place. You don't let the anger, you don't let that discipline, you don't let your emotions get the better of you at any time. I know it's hard to say, but if you think about it before you go, ah, you go, give me one Mississippi, two Mississippi. I'm good, Kelly. Let's talk about that again. You know, you don't have to go to five. You realize that the anger is a useless emotion and fear is what keeps you from doing things. We're afraid of things that we don't know. So fear is a, something that's not out there. What am I afraid of? The boogeyman? What's the boogeyman? No one knows the boogeyman. It's a made-up thing to make kids stay in their bed at night. So now everyone's afraid of the unknown. And I love the unknown. It's, uh, it races your heart. It gives you this sense of, like, we're going to slay some dragons today. Like, you made your podcast. It wasn't easy, bro. You took a big leap. I mean, this is a crowded space with some super talent. But I love the fact that you had enough discipline to believe in yourself to say, I belong at this table. Never forget that, Kevin. You belong at the table you want to sit at. And you belong here. Well, I appreciate it. So, uh, I mean, and and honestly, like like I said, the the that part you motivated uh, huge. The reason why I did it, and the reason why I pushed forward was um, was was my kids. And you know, with Maddox and McKenna, and what I wanted to do is take iconic people like yourself and and help my kids realize that people experiencing things like what Uncle Gary is experiencing are not from another planet. They're not special human beings that they just get to do that. They're people with great attitudes who are willing to work hard. So if you can, um, can you look into the screen? I would like you to use both their names, Maddox and McKenna, but can you tell them maybe some advice or something from Uncle Gary, um, Maddox and McKenna, that that uh, you would like that that message to come to them? Maddox and McKenna, I've known you since you were wee babies in your mommy's belly and... Uh... Here's what I will tell you. You have two of the best parents on the planet. And if you trust your love for them and you trust that they will never let you down, you will always be safe. Then trust in yourself and believe in yourself as much as they do. Because I'm telling you right now, you two, as you get older and you get taller and you get your own lives, the wisdom and love that they've given you is what's going to sustain you forever. It'll make you a great person because you already have the DNA of a great and then it's your personality that's going to come out. But just remember this, Maddox and McKenna. It's your job to be a great person. Just watch, watch how your dad's been his whole life. Watch how your mom's been his whole life. And watch the people who respect them because respect is earned. And if you want the respect of people you respect, you have to earn it. And it only comes from being true to yourself. And I promise you, I know your DNA. I know there's royalty in there. Who says that? Tim story? He said that once. But... You guys are special because you have love everywhere. So use that love as your superpower to become the best person you can be. And the best way to say thank you, I love you to your parents is to do that. Be the best people you can be. And that's it. And I know your parents are always going to be proud and they're always going to be loving on you. So you you got a good, safe place to go. And Maddox and McKenna, Uncle Gary loves you, man. Well, I want to thank you, Gary, because you are, I mean, like, I don't think the listeners understood what they were in for um, and being able to, I mean, it's, it's seriously, it's rapid fire. And for those of you listening, it's like this all the time with Gary. Like when you're around him, you're going to be a better person. Like when you walk away, you're going to be better. Your, your heart is going to be filled up. You're going to be filled with joy and you're going to constantly want to be better 
as a person, which I think is amazing. So now's the time where you're going to subscribe. You're going to click the links. You're going to patronize all of our sponsors. You're going to do all the things that you're supposed to do. Um, so I want to thank you for that. Gary, you are incredible. I'm honored to call you my friend. And thank you, thank you, thank you today for being on the show. Can I give you a shout out? Yes, of course. Hey, where's my bag? There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So we've got 15 seconds of uncomfortable silence while we stare at each other, Gary, but you are off the hot seat and I thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Kelly Cardenas podcast, guys. Thank you, brother.